Welcome to the Moral Realms, an Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the free cities this episode are... I'm Davey. The back of my neck is getting dirty and gritty. I I think it's hot time because Sigmar's in the city. Hey, I'm Paven, and um, there's no admission scandal in the Collegiate Arcane. Uh, and this is Aaron, and a lot of people don't know this, but Sigmar built his cities on shock and roll. In this episode, we cover the lore of the cities of Sigmar Battle Tome. Get ready to hear a whole lot of Germanic accents, fluffy pants swishing, and mustache greasing. And then if we have time after all that, we'll talk about all those free people. How are you tonight, gentlemen? I'm good. Dibs on the mustache greasing. You guys can handle the other two. Deal. Uh, I'm I'm wearing my cords, so they're pretty they're pretty swishy. As all right, five on dramatic accent. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I don't know if it's gonna work. Um, yeah, no, uh, it's great to be here. Uh, uh, you know, long time listener, first time uh, podcast participant. Um, yeah, in fact, listeners, you're gonna you hear that we're doing a couple things a little different tonight. Um, first, uh, maybe it's obvious is that. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm feeling a little under the weather. So uh, we're going to re- be recording this one remotely, which we haven't done in a very long time. We're, n- we're no longer in the, what, what did we call the studio? The Bowlerwood. Bowlerwood Studios. Um, well, I mean, we'll be back here soon, but this one, we're just, we're just taking it. We're giving it a little break. But then additionally, we have, uh, you know, I guess you would say Mortal Realms member, uh, Pavent, uh, here with us today, um, filling in, picking up some slack, some might say, uh, filling in uh, here to talk about uh, the cities of Sigmar Battletone that we're going to be chatting. Pavent, welcome. We're very glad to have you. It's good to be here. Excellent. Um, we didn't pay you to say that yet. Um, and then we've got Davey. Davey, how are you? How are you? Uh, I'm doing tried just fine. Tr- tried and true. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Um, so what, as we always sort of start with, what's what's everyone been up to? What have you guys been doing in the hobby? Paint me a picture of your painting your models. <laughs> I'll jump in there. Um, so I've been doing a lot of Warcry stuff as part of, um, surprise, kind of the local Warcry, Warcry League and paint up terrain for that. I'm also busting out the Iron Jaws with the release of the new Orc War Clan book. Um, excited about that. Putting some guys on shields, taking the opportunity to repaint some some guys that uh, kind of I painted when I was in high school, so a long time ago. It was nice to update Ooh, those wow. a bit. Um, I'm also digging through the attic into the deep backlog and seeing if I can come up with a nice city of uh nice city of my own with like kind of the old the old stuff i had from uh fantasy battles so that's been really cool uh, oh man what what give, give me some examples of stuff that that you're, you're you find s- swimming up there uh so i have a unit of leopold's leopards which is a regiment of renown wow. so uh, that is a deep cut yeah 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 all metal and i think about repainting some of those guys those guys would be great like thematic free guild um with their pikes uh, so that's cool. Otherwise, I got a bunch of, I got a lot of high elves. I got a lot of wood, the old wood elves, wanderers. Um, and I'm just trying to figure out like how to fit it together in a cohesive, like artistic vision. But it's, it's all, it's all in my head now. I haven't really put any work forward towards it. I think by the time of this, by, by the time we're done with this episode, we, you will have all sorts of ideas. Uh, that I'm not from me. I, I'm not necessarily a, an idea generator, but I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> You'll, they'll spontaneously uh, germinate. Uh, Davey, what have you been up to? 
Uh, well, um, as always, I've been doing plenty of Underworlds, uh, assembling surprise, some more bands Surprise, surprise. Yeah. You guys are really, uh, really typecasting yourselves. Yeah. Uh, I got my thorns painted up, uh, started on a uh, ice, uh, sort of ice paint scheme for my uh, chosen axes. It was pretty fun. Uh, try that out. I don't really think I stuck the landing, but uh, I can play around with it a little bit more. And uh, after dabbling a little bit in Warcry, I was really interested in the idea of uh, doing Beastmen as Untamed Beasts. So I was playing around with some of that, which then had me pulling out my old uh, Brayherd models and my Sigor and stuff, and then thinking about uh, what it would take to get that back online. Uh, so uh, pretty fun there. And then uh, obviously there's the uh, the uh, Grashrax Despoilers, one of the new uh, Beastgrave warbands. So that kind of ties in. So it's, I've, I've been on kind of like a, a Beastman kick of, of late. Very cool. Um, and plus the beauty of having a Cygore is you can actually use that in Warcry just straight up. Sure. Straight up. Straight up. Uh, so I recommend it. Uh, I, didn't, it's not, I didn't mean to cut you off. Were, were you? I was about to ask you what you've been up to, Aaron. Oh, gross. I was hoping that we'd never come to it. Um, I've just been, I don't know if when the last time I recorded something or when I would have brought this up, but I've just started uh, clipping out and like assembling um, some Warcry terrain. Everybody's got the starter set, so I figured I wouldn't start with that one, but I was going to loop around and, and put together the... Um, like the Sigmar, what's it called? I can see it, but it doesn't have words on it. Shattered Storm Vault. Um, so I'll start there, but then I'll loop around then to the um, the the old Garden of Moor set too. Um, and just start putting those together. Uh, I was playing my orcs for Warcry, um, and they're cool and neat, but I don't know, they're just not really grabbing me. So I'm trying to figure out if maybe it's time to evaluate picking up a Chaos Warband or maybe even waiting for one of the newer ones to come out. Um, because it, I just get the sense, I just get the feeling that like from here on out, like the cool stuff is going to be released for chaos. And although I like the other warbands and I have a lot of the other non chaos warbands, I think for me to like really want to dive into it, I think I might have to be on the, the side of sad, side of chaos, the way it was meant to be played. Um, and so now my gears are turning a little bit there, trying to figure out what, what I ought to be playing. Um, haven't decided. I have no idea. I already gave away all the starter set factions i had already so maybe i'm kicking myself for doing so but uh i figure i'll start with the terrain and maybe inspiration will will, will strike um but that's that's where i'm at is there a Warcry faction that uh or chaos faction that speaks to you on a some sort of level? not honestly no not necessarily no no none more so than the others um honestly if if at any point if i had literally had one in my position right now i would just do that like regardless if it if it was really grabbing me or not um but like i said i had sold off the ones that came with the starter set um but honestly i'm curious just because it's what i don't know it's the it's the it's the the mystery out there but not knowing what like the signs of the flame uh, look like like in my head makes me like all right well that's the one i want because i don't know what it looks like it's the uh i'm sure there's like an aesop fable about that or, you know maybe a bird in the hand uh, situation so um but i i am interested to, i don't know how long it'll be before that comes out but i'd be interested to see what that looks like and then maybe i'd be willing to pick those guys up I feel like I have an affection to actually, um, but that is me in a very large nutshell. Um, but that nobody wants to hear about that anymore. They want they want to hear about the story phase and they want to hear about the cities of Sigmar battle tome. So let's jump right into it. The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the nine realms. Hey guys, we did it. We made it. We're in the right. in, in the meat of the episode. It's just just a. 
coasting from here on out. Yeah. Oof, now the hard work is done. Uh, admitting who we are personally to our audience. Um, all right. So let's let's start. We're doing the Cities of Sigmar Battletone. So uh, I feel like of the most recent Battletones that we've like reviewed, it, it ends up being these sort of esoteric, um, monstrous races that have very specific... Um, uh, thematic elements um and they're you know they're very uh, uh whole cloth uh all all part of a, a given force um they're all you know part of a, a a given theme um i think this is the probably the first battle tome that we've had to tackle that is such they're so full of very disparate peoples and uh, forces and races all packed into one book it, it's sort of hard it's a, it's a tough used to my to use my nut metaphor again a tough nut to crack in terms of how, how do we approach um, dissecting it. So let me ask you guys a question right off the bat. If you could sum up to someone who maybe knew Age of Sigmar but wasn't wasn't really sure what we, what to expect from a Cities of Sigmar battle tome or what what a Cities of Sigmar battle tome would contain, if you could sum it up in one sentence, um, how, how would you do so? How would you explain the Cities of Sigmar? Well, I think appropriately the word that comes to mind is cosmopolitan. Like there, mm -hmm. there are so, so there are so many different, uh, uh, different factions that are all kind of, uh, put together. A, a less cool word would be soup. Um, but, uh, <laughs> all, all these, uh, all these different factions. And so, uh, maybe the greatest variety within a, within a single book, um, and, uh, and all the freedom that comes with that. I love it. I feel like you. I'm, I'm, I have a better idea, but Paven, drive the point home for me. Okay. Sum, sum it up for me. Um, the cities of Sigmar are an alliance of elves, Duarden, and humans sent out to build Sigmar's empire after the Age of Chaos. Excellent. I know what elves are. I know what Duarden are. I know what humans are. I know who Sigmar is, and, you're, and they're all coming together. Yeah, I was, uh, I was really to, trying to stick to the one sentence. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I, I like it. I love it. And since I'm asking the questions, I don't have to come up with a sentence. So <laughs> you, you did it for me. But uh, it, they are the the mortal followers of Sigmar. The both both the citizens, like the the residents, um, but then also the defenders and the, his his um, his offensive arm of the cities of uh, the mortal realms. Excellent. Perfect. Uh, uh, done. Uh, end of episode. We solved it. <laughs> No, there's more to talk about. So, um, I guess uh, a good place to start would be uh, the beginning. Like, uh, where, where, where do these, where do these folks come from? Then, where, where did we get these, gr these groups of disparate um, forces? Uh, Paven, can you, can you maybe uh, paint me a picture of, of early days? Yeah. So, if we're going to start at the beginning, we're going to want to start in the Age of Myth, where there, I've heard of it. Yeah, there is a almost uh there's a utopia among or somewhat of a utopia among the mortal races where there are like multitudes of different kingdoms of elves of duarden of humans of other races that have like separate cultures and kingdoms and you know more than we could count or think of and they were ruled by a pantheon of different um different racial gods and you know everything was pretty good the the, the realms were you know wet and wild and you know magic was everywhere but um, it's still like their, you know, order was able to come and they were able to like, you know, raise their kingdoms up. And that's where kind of the board is set. You know, everyone always talks about how wild the age of myth was, but they never bring <laughs> up how wet it was. Um, and I'm glad to hear you finally bring it up because yeah. I've been meaning to this whole time. It's, it's the, the secret thing about the realms that they won't don't want you to know. So 
Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and rule number nine will shock you. Yeah. Um, well, so I think, uh, so Paven is hit it, hit it on the head as far as where they come from. And we're going to talk more about like how they develop, but I think what, uh, what really defines, uh, defines these, these factions are, uh, the fact that they got, uh, that the age of chaos came along and this is them reestablishing. So many of them are sort of, uh, their identity is, is based around what they did, how they responded and what they've done since the age of chaos arrived. And then their actions, in the age of Sigmar, I was like, that uh, really gives them a lot of their flavor um, uh, on the way. And we'll get a chance to delve into that in just a little bit. Sure. Well, and, and you mentioned the Age of Chaos, so we can sort of maybe boogie onto that. Um, so there's this this paradise, this <laughs> wet and wild. I love it. I'm going to keep bringing it up. Um, wet and wild, the Age of Myth. And, but then as we've covered multiple times, um, uh, nothing gold can stay. Um, Paradise Lost, uh, the Age of Chaos rolls up when those those Chaos forces are able to infiltrate the uh, Age of Myth um, and basically knock down the Tower of Blocks that Sigmar and his pantheon have have built in this um, in this you know sort of paradise. So uh, they get their claws on things and they're they're dead set. They've been Chaos are dead set on on tearing down. Um, these civilizations that have that have created have been created, um, and it's the age-old story we've talked about it multiple times. That um, obviously the the pantheon of order uh, fights back, um, does what they can to try and you know save the moral realms. But one by one, whether the pantheon falls apart for, through mis- distrust, uh, betrayals, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but everyone starts to sort of you know every man from every man or lady for themselves. Um, Sigmar realizes sort of the futility, at least of their, their current situation of, of standing and fighting, and instead um, pulls back his forces to uh, Azir um, and, and with the intention of locking the door and saving his people uh, in, in Azir. And so what we get here is all these residents, those humans, dwarves, those elves of the mortal realms, um, have to sort of make, make a choice, though it seems to me that the choice is probably pretty easy. Um, that uh, whether or not they follow Sigmar back to Azir, uh, boogie back through whatever realm gates they have to to get to safety, or stay and fight, or stay and hide, or you know stay and you know become nomads and travel around um, and face you know the forces of chaos, or you know avoid the for- forces of chaos um, as the case may be. And so this is sort of, although maybe not the the titular cities of Sigmar, what what they're what Sigmar is doing is he's pulling back these these races and these forces and sort of populating the cities of Azir, basically he's bringing all these people from all the realms and, and bringing them back home, um, to, uh, to Azir, um, and, and, and his cities there, um, which although, um, I mean, again, aren't the cities we're necessarily talking about here, but they're, they're just as, you know, you know, populated and, and urban and, and cemented in, in the realms in Azir as they are, as they are elsewhere. And Aaron, if I could jump in here, I wanted to start kind of calling out a couple of important points. Um, the Please do. Cities of Sigmar and the braces within are all kind of tied together with a kind of a like a common cultural experience. And so we've covered like we've gone over like two of the like touchstones that like kind of everybody that went through that is going to end up in a, these cities of Sigmar um, that happened to them. So one is like they had like great cultures and great. Um, cities and kingdoms of their own. And then they were all, and then it was, they had to, they were destroyed and they had to leave and they had to become refugees into Azir. Um, 
So like, which is a pretty humbling experience for these people who yeah, maybe come from really great societies. It's, it's very like culturally devastating that experience, and a lot of like kind of what happens later, as well as like how the races exist in the modern era, is going to be like a reflection of like kind of that trauma, that shared trauma. Yeah, true. We, we're we're maybe diving into those, you know, the section of the battle tombs where they they talk about the different they have different historical like bullet points that's worth bringing up. One of them one of them is actually interesting here in the Age of Chaos, um, is that as Sigmar is pulling his forces back into Azir um, and everybody's, you know, rushing through whatever realm gates they can to, you know, get to, get to safety. Um, I, this is the first I've heard of this, which you thought it would, you would have thought had been brought up earlier, but um, apparently chaos was, was wise to what Sigmar was doing. And they were, they were sending infiltrators uh, into Azir. I guess I never really realized that like, yeah, no, it wasn't just a, a, a safe bet as soon as you cross that, that realm gate. No, there, there was still maybe a little bit of danger and chaos was still sending um, you know, it, it was still spreading. Um, like there's nothing keeping him out of Azir at, th- at this point before the gates actually shut. And so uh, Sigmar, uh, pretty in tune to his realm, more so than probably any, anywhere else, um, starts realizing that, well, I've got these chaotic infiltrators here. Um, what am I going to do? So uh, he basically weeds them out himself or through his forces and starts killing all these, cha- you know, the chaos um, sneaks who have, have uh, snuck in. Um, but but he doesn't stop there. He takes it a step further. Uh, and not only does Sigmar take out the the actual, like, very distinct chaos followers, but then he starts taking out folks who who could possibly be chaos followers, who, who who might fall to chaos in the future, or who have like a predilection to chaotic tendencies or, or or things of that nature. So he is not taking any chances. And if if you basically you rub him the wrong way, or if you have like a a, a stink of chaos about you, he's gonna he's gonna take you out. Um, and that pretty hardcore. Um, by no means have I ever thought that chaos or Sigmar you know, is a completely like benevolent and merciful leader. But I mean, this ranks highly of the, like the harsh reactions um, scale uh, for at least as as it pertains to Sigmar. This, when you, when you talk about how the different Stormos uh, maybe embody different aspects of, of Sigmar, uh, this is, this is where you see his Knights, uh, Knights Excelsior side coming out. Sure. I guess they had to get it from somewhere. Right. And an example of it. Pretty, uh, no, no chill, Sigmar. No chill at all. But uh, do you guys have any other thoughts about the Age of Chaos um, before I move past it? Uh, no, I mean, they, there's one mention here about with Fall and Flight where they talk about the fall of the Atlantic Empire. Empire. I feel like that's that's something we've heard uh, a few times. And maybe, Aaron, you remember uh, the different places it's been referenced. A couple places. Path to Glory. That's what I was going to say it was it was that actually the atlantic empire itself there i uh, i believe so oh cool. um, and, but it, it's thrown it's thrown around in a whole bunch of other places yeah. and it, i wish they'd stop teasing me about it and they just give me some atlantic empire like <laughs> some lore uh it's got to be coming any day now right gw right black library hook a dude up but you know no, i love seeing those references and um if if there's any point in a in a battle tome where they want to point out or give you little tidbits from other books or other lore sources you you get a lot of that stuff in these race history segments and so i i always comb through these with a fine tooth comb to see what what references i can suss out Mm -hmm. it's very cool but like you mentioned the atlantic empire um they uh stood as long as they could for like a thousand years or something in the age of chaos but they obviously eventually fell and dropped like a ton of rubble on the the conquering forces. And there was a few other cities as well that did what they could to hold out. 
Um, but one by one, they sort of inevitably, inevitably fell. As yeah. We, as well, we've seen. And then here it talks about them taking up a nomadic lifestyle to stay one step ahead. And that is the, uh, that's the first mortals we ever saw in the, in the age of Sigmar fiction was, uh, back at the opening of the gates of Azir, the, the first, uh, novel were these nomadic folks trying to stay ahead of the bloodbound. Yeah. One step ahead of that. But, um, but that basically leads us to the age of Sigmar. We'll fast forward quite a bit. Uh, stormcast, 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 lightning bolts, lightning bolts, lightning bolts, uh, realm gate wars. I thought it was, I thought it was cool. They did mention, uh, moving along here, the season of war, which, uh, I guess I always thought of it as just as sort of the the campaign that they did. Uh, they're, they're referencing it here as like this is a this is a specific era in the timeline of Age of Sigmar, um, which maybe you guys knew. I didn't I didn't quite realize it was it's it was a that it had an in game, uh, you know what I mean? I thought it was just sort of the the uh, out of game reference for that campaign. I didn't realize like in in fiction that that's how they referenced that time. So that was kind of cool. No, yeah, and I think they do they did reference it in fiction or like you remember like their their goal was they have all those cities and like hopefully they're ideally one city was going to get taken over by like a different faction and it just was coincidental that they all were like maintained by order but i think it was supposed to be a, a timeline in the in the fiction such that like you know a given city could have been taken over by destruction or chaos or something like that it mm-hmm. just didn't shake out that way but yeah, no, and I love the fact that they keep referencing it. I feel like every once in a while they'll they'll throw in a little nod towards it, and I think no better time to do it than the cities of Sigmar Battle Tome. But I'm glad they're sort of staying true to their word, and like that was the intention that this was going to be a permanent part of the you know the tapestry of the history that is the, the mortal realms. And uh, I think hope the fact that they're they reference it and they still bring it up means that maybe they'd be willing to do it again in the future. Hint, hint, <laughs> nod, nod. So, uh, so there's that. So, um, we are, we are fast forwarding to, and, and I guess the seasons of war is a great time frame because that is one of the times where we got first introduced into these cities that, uh, Sigmar is creating. So we're, we're post the Rome gate wars and Sigmar's plan sort of reaches that sort of next stage. He's no longer waging war, per, just, you know, exclusively war, but rather he's got a second component to it, which is the, the settlement side of things. Paven, what? So now that we've we're, we're past the Realmgate War side of thing, and we're now we've entered we're, we've entered the Season of War city founding uh, time frame of the Age of Sigmar. What 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 about this era strikes you? What what jumps out at you? I think one of the really cool things I like is how like kind of one the results of one event lead to the lead to the other. Like we talked about how the the events of the global campaign led to the the holding of the three um, cities of the the seeds of hope. Um, which we're going to talk about later. But also, I've noticed that a lot of the cities we're going to talk about here are in Akshi or Gairan. And weren't those two of the gates that um, the Stormcasts were able to hold at the end of the Realm Gate Wars? And it's just a... I don't know. You guys tell me. <laughs> is that, yeah, is that no, correct? That's, that's exactly right. Like You, mm-hmm. you had the sense uh, in the realms are, are vast, so there was no place that victory was complete. But uh, the greatest successes that they had were in Akshi and Gairan, uh, it felt like Gur was a wash. Uh, Shaman was, uh, had the Thosis blade storm fall to, uh, Archaon. That felt like a, a fail on that end. And then, uh, Nagash did Nagash things over in the realm of death. And, uh, somehow we still don't know very much about Ulu and Hish. So, but yeah, you're totally right. Um, Girin and, uh, Gairan and Akshi ended up, uh, 
uh, feeling like they're were, they were the better footholds for, uh, for the hosts from heaven. So like, it's really cool to see like the results of like the macro level war having effect in the, like the narrative we're getting and in like game terms in that like yeah. the cities we can play in are in Gairan and actually. So that jumped out to me. Very cool. Uh, D- Davey, uh, what, what jumped out at you in this age of Sigmar and this, this, this time frame? So we already, we already kind of mentioned Sigmar's purge of Azir. Um, and then uh, I liked getting that glimpse. There, there's a blurb here about the first purge of Excelsis. First purge. Um, and that was kind of referenced in uh, City of Secrets. City of Secrets. Um, I think it's that. Yeah, I think that was yeah. the first purge. Um, where, oh, uh, no, no. No, no maybe it, it, it happened before, but it, people were aware of it. Yeah, Right. Uh, and you weren't totally sure. You just knew that something like that had happened and this this kind of this lays it out uh and uh we actually met this lord veritant saras saras Sentanus, uh and uh his his brutal purge is what got him the name the white reaper um but uh so a couple things one we also found out that some of this is what weakened the chains of uh of slanesh um it doesn't even mention it here but uh these kind of this escalation of sort of uh, violent acts are, are having uh, repercussions. And also, uh, although we don't see any, uh, we don't have, we don't get rules in this book for any cities outside of uh, Akshi and Gyron, uh, Excelsis is in Gur. So there's some room for either another uh, tome down the line or for you to sort of uh, adapt one of the existing ones to, to that. So um, there's, this is not comprehensive, I guess, from a rules perspective or even a, even a background perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, furthermore, I think it, it throws some references off to like like Lethus or some other cities in in Shyish is as well that no rules or anything, but like it acknowledges that those cities exist and um, there's there's definitely more to find out about these different cities. So uh, we're we're still in the age of Sigmar and these cities are being founded, but obviously. Uh, it's not a necessarily an easy easy road. There's still war being waged, there, both externally and as we find with this purge, um, internally I guess as well. Like uh, chaos is uh, pernicious uh, uh, in both directions. Um, but then we can fast forward a, a, a bit more as well. Um, this uh, the necroquake happens, uh, and then the following soul wars occur- occurs next as well. Um, and that just adds a whole nother element, a whole nother angle that these cities have to sort of contend with. Not, no longer are they facing just the, the destructive forces of, you know, green skins or the chaotic forces out there that are, you know, constantly trying to attack from both within and without. Um, but now they've got a bunch of ghosts who can just like fly through your walls. Uh, I'm really glad we spent all the time building those, <laughs> um, as they come through and, you know, freeze your heart or whatever the, the night haunt do. Um, but, uh, Furthermore, it's not just ghosts, but you also have to deal with your uh, your endless spells, um, the eruption of magical energies. Um, it's it's never a good day for these these free cities. They, they don't just get they don't ever get a break. Uh, constantly besieged by any number of, of threats. Um, but uh, it does make a point to. And I guess maybe this is where I, I remember reading about Lake Lethus, but they they do bring up the fact that um, the this this city is built over one of those storm vaults that we've talked about in our previous episodes that Sigmar had hidden, whether under cities or in other secret places. Uh, but the Necroquake is revealed and shown um, and allowed 
non-Sigmar people, um, anybody who's not Sigmar to come and find them. Um, and there was this, this very valuable midnight tomb under Lake Levis. Uh, I don't want to recap the whole story that we went into in our Forbidden Power. Um, but the point is, is a, a creature was released um, from under that, that tomb. And it turns out, I think we know now that it's, uh, I'm not gonna be able to say this name correctly, but Katakros, Kat, Kat, Tak, Katakros, Katakros, any, all of the above. Acceptable. Yeah, I believe that's. I hope that's true. Um, or in fact, maybe no one settled on anything yet, and I'm contributing to the the final decision. Um, but he's the the Mortark of the uh, OCR Bone Reapers. There's a hot. There's a hot take right there. Um, we're on the cut cutting edge of of lore in the Age of Sigmar. Um, you heard it here for, first. <laughs> that's, probably that's probably not, not. But yeah, that can't possibly be true. Um, but it, it's just worth mentioning that these these cities are also playing. A, f- a factor in the forbidden power era where they are, are they end up being sort of locations for these, these storm faults locations to, to hide, um, you know, precious uh, artifacts for, for Sigmar. And uh, you know, there, there may be forces or evils or what have you hidden underneath them is as well. So uh, no matter the time frame, no matter the place, no matter the realm, uh, these cities of Sigmar are, are important and they will, they continue to be important. All right, cool. So that's that's the that's the the history abbreviated, truncated even. But let's let's talk about the the people. This isn't a history lesson. Um, we're not in school. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, what what makes the the city the forces of the city of cities of Sigmar. What makes them who they are? How are they organized? How do they live? Um, so I guess first, how how do we get a city? Do they just do they just spring up? Paven, t- walk walk me through it. If you had a fi- fi- found a city of Sigmar, how would you do it? Well, there's a lot to think about. This is a great question um, because you can't just you know have some city planner come through and you know you just get out the roads, put them in a grid, and uh, you know you got your residential, you got your industrial. There's a lot more to think about in the mortal realms because you're having to deal with ghosts, like giant monsters, you know, corruptions everywhere. So there's a lot of there's like it seems to be a tried and true recipe for founding a city of Sigmar and the recipe is something like the first thing, the first thing they want to do is they, you know, they send down the storm cast and a bolt of lightning. They clear out, they clear out out the whole land. Right. Um, and then before you even put down any stone, you got to start. Well, first you got to pick, where do you want the city? Usually you want to pick it on a strategic location, um, like a realm gate or some other like big stack a realm stone or some other something like major i don't know port or rivers are important places where you might want to how about it. how about on top of a mountain or on a pillar of of like rock oh yeah you gotta think about what else would be cool <laughs> i think that's a big thing like giant turtle is dope like on a cloud like living volcano all also good options evaluate if you any of those are available to you and start there yeah start there hit it with lightning clear out all the bad guys um, and then you got to start, um, then you got to start like, you got to get all the corruption out cause the age of chaos lasted a long time. So you got to start like blessing the land and, you know, getting out all that, all the bad, uh, juju. Um, and then after that you start, you do start to build and the Lord ordinators and the Lord Castellans build a storm keep. And all of our cities that we're going to talk about have a storm keep at their core. That is kind of like the first foothold into the mortal realms. Keeping going on, uh, you cleanse the land. But once you've done all that, then you send in the dwarven work crews and the engineers, and then, then you're doing your real city planning. But you're not just building streets. You're also 
uh, blessing your buildings. You're working in magic into stone to make it so it keeps the ghosts out or keeps the demons out. So you don't have like, you know, in, you know, one of the stories, all the wood was corrupted that they were bringing in. So you don't want any corrupt wood in your city. Um, <laughs> or, or, or anywhere really. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In your tree house, not, not in your boats, none of it. Um, also significant shapes are really important. So you want to like, like try to stay away from like eight pointed stars. It's probably a bad <laughs> shape to build your city in. Um, but there's also like good shapes. Like, I don't know. Triangles are probably pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I think they're good. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't really have a the, lot of good. Nurgle can be a shape, fan, but, but, but I'm not building these cities. Sure. So like well, the dwarves know one, one thing they, one thing that's important to Sigmar when he's, when he's building, when these are laid out is, uh, is the number 12 will feature a lot. Uh, oh yeah. And that is, uh, that is, it's it's a throwback to uh to the realm uh to uh, the world that was and here if i'm remembering and if if we had paul here uh he would confirm this for me but i think it's the original uh 12 tribes that he he kind of united uh when he first at when he was immortal and uh and bringing the the empire together in the world that was yeah i think that's been referenced before that sounds right yeah it's also it comes up in this book because i believe 12 great tribes also flee to his ear tribes of humans. And um, so I think that is also like a, I don't know, an homage to that original kind of world that was lore possibly. So what you're telling me is now I have a city of Sigmar. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> give or give or take. Perfect. Um, so now I've got the city. What do I, what do I fill it with? The, yeah. You fill it with people, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. I mean, t- <laughs> tell me about it. Um, so the most, Common race is human being the, um, the most populous and the most, I guess, quickly reproducing race. Um, but you also have elves are a common site and Duradin, but also stranger creatures. Ooh. Do we know what those stranger creatures are? Uh, maybe. Um, but that's, that's cool. They don't, yeah, they don't really go into like strange. I mean, there are others like allies and stuff, but like, yeah. It's got nice. They leave the door open to stranger creatures. Also, uh, they specifically mentioned Seraphon uh, live in some of the cities. Sure, they've got little like temples set set up in there in the diff- different cities sometimes. Which is, man, I want that. Or maybe I don't like. If my city's in such a bad like bad bad neighborhood that like the Seraphon have to come keep an eye on it. I'm like, ooh, maybe I should move. Maybe I should find a safer uh, side yeah, of this town. Yeah, interesting because it it they the Seraphon kind of remain in this weird limbo of are they are they star memories or are they living breathing like there was a significant event a while back where uh and a spawning pool actually kicked out some actual uh seraphon in in one of the you know big sky ships or whatever uh starships star star temples whatever yeah i think there's there's a ton of cool stuff that they that could happen with the seraphon it feels like a lot of doors are left slightly ajar so I'm really excited to see more. It's a little sad that they're not able to ally in the cities of Sigmar, despite this call out, but maybe that's just something to look forward to. Yeah, it would be cool. You would think uh, having Seraphon in your city would, they, w- with their sort of infinite wisdom, they would maybe contribute to the the, the ruling or government body of, of these cities. But that I didn't get that impression, but rather they uh, they go in a different direction. Um, they they Each city basically has some sort of what would you call it? A grand conclave, perhaps, uh, which is a um, a ruling group of people, um, decision making uh, body, 
that um, basically uh, rules over every city. Every city has one of these things. It's sort of the the unifying one of the unifying like facts or features of a, a city of Sigmar. Um, I swear they mentioned it, I can't remember, but is, is everyone like the same size too? No, There's like- so Azirheim has 244. Uh, the, the other grand conclaves are uh, modeled after it, but the exact number of representative varies according to the size and influence of the settlement. So. Ooh, quick quick with that. Good job. Um, oh, yeah. A um, couple, couple interesting points. So the origin of the grand conclave is there used to be kind of racial and familiar representatives of uh, that were that were part of politics in Azerheim. Um, but that became that became very factional and a lot of infighting. And so Sigmar had to come through and crack some heads and deal with that, like all of that racial animus that existed in his, you know, uh, utopian city. Um, and so he established the Grand Conclave, which is supposed to be a meritocracy of like the best and the brightest to rule over the city. And it's also cool that Azerheim's political structures have found their way into the cities. And I kind of think of the cities as kind of like a, you know, without getting too serious, like a kind of colonial uh, 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 relationship in that, like you have this dominant culture of that is Aziri, uh, if that's the right word. And it is like now colonizing all the modal realms and bringing with it all of its culture and all of its political organization and you and so there's like a common thread through all of the cities of Sigmar that they all have similar governance and there's a similar way they're built and they have like similar peoples, even though they all have their own character. We've, we've seen some cool things in uh, a number of the fiction uh, works of fiction that we've read where there is this tension between the Azirites and the reclaimed tribes, the reclaimed civilizations. Um, so, yeah, that, and I, I like that they can lean into that a little bit. And uh, I think that's I think you've laid it out in a, a way that makes a lot of sense as far as that colonialization goes. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, and and it, it, it's both um, from a, uh, like, where were you perspective from when it comes to like the, uh, the folks who are sort of left behind, like where, where you guys just closed your doors and you left us here. And now you, you come back th- not only thinking that you're better than us, but then you're implementing your rules and your laws, et cetera, et cetera on us. Um, it's, it's, Funds, maybe not the word, but interesting to see the the chafing that that comes along with it. Um, I agree. Uh, so, but we've got our our, our ruling, our, our governing bodies of these of these cities, but they are by no means the the only interesting um, factions or uh, groupings of people. There, there's there's other interest groups um, that exist in these in these cities. Um, let's, let's talk about some of these, um, made up of different races and, 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 um, you know, historical contexts. So we, we talked about how the humans are the most, um, maybe populous of the, the residents or citizens of these cities and humans have a number of different, and I'll say it again, that these interest groups, these factions that, um, have set up shop in, in a wide range of different cities. Uh, I'll just pick an interesting one here. Uh, Let's let's talk about maybe the, the the free guild, who I think are probably our bread and butter, meat and potatoes, human defenses uh, of of our cities here. And so this is the uh, what would have been known as you know the emperor uh, empire from the world that was um, these uh, swordsmen, your spearmen, your your crossbowmen, your your basically your your regular run of the mill troops with a, a smattering of of I guess larger than life demigriff riders and your your griffin uh, riding generals and things like that. But these are 
the the I guess the humans, the the, the fighters, the people that make up I think the the brunt of of any free uh, any city's um, defense uh, structures, and uh, these for you to make it make it in the free guild. Um, generally, you're you're going to be a pretty brave, capable. Um, you know, know your way around a sword or whatever your weapon of choice is. Disciplined, regimented um, uh, human, very uh, I guess very dedicated to the cause. You're, you're going to be a devout, devout follower of Sigmar. Well, you can also be. There's also like a diversity with the free guilds. Like they could be like come from a long line of like warriors. They could also just be like you know the latest people they arrest out of the slums and then they like draft into the army. Yeah, so that's like, true. That's a good point for both. And these are like kind of the. Uh, the quote from the book is, I like, like, Sib- Sigmar's empire is built on the blood and sacrifice of millions of humble humans, Duridan and elves. So these are those millions that are just sacrificed, unmourned and unremembered. Like, this is like, you know, when you just got to grind out a war, you call on the free guild. Yeah, if you just need bodies. It's interesting. He does say the humans, Dwarden and elves. Do, do Dwarden, do we have examples of Dwarden and elves being part of the free guild, though? I don't know if we have examples, but I, 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 I imagine... I imagine this is a little bit of like what is available as a miniature, but I like mm. certainly like you, if you wanted your free guild to be more cosmopolitan, I think it would make a lot of sense and is in line with the lore here. Mm, okay. It'd be interesting. I wonder if, I wonder if we've ever seen an example or if we will ever see an example of, you know, Dwarden and elves just shoulder to shoulder holding pikes or whatever um, with, with humans and, and then them not being, you know, a very distinct Dwarden unit or an elven unit, but rather like them sort of intermixed. That'd be interesting to see. But uh, we were sort of talking about, uh, you know, sort of the the origins of some of these forces before. And it's it's worth mentioning that these aren't all from Azir, but rather they're pulled from whether it's the Azir, like the conquering Azirian forces who have come out and sort of colonized different cities, or they could just be the locals, I guess. And Pavin was just sort of alluding that to that too. Um, but they, they could be the local from whatever realm that um, they're, they're, you know, defending and at, at a given time as well so um from that vantage point yes it is could it be it is a maybe melting pot of a lot of disparate um individuals um but all f- fighting for the same cause um and ideally under sort of a disciplined banner you know it, it we, we don't necessarily see ranks and flanks in the game anymore but like that's st- still sort of the image that they conjure um you know uh them lined up in you know battle line shoulder to shoulder with their peers their compatriots um facing you know staring down the barrel of a you know chaos charge or something like that um free guild also serves as uh sort of a local uh police force type thing and we kind of saw that in the gloom spite book that we read um so they're not only the offensive arm like out there ranging and w- waging war out outside they, they serve as the defenses for the city and then also serve defenses sort of internally in the city as well like as a local constable area or you know to some to some degree um and because of that they are you know like both the, the small scale and large scale um defense they come in numbers they are if if there were such a thing as a horde army uh, of humans it would it would be these folks um you, you've got a lot of dudes in a in a given unit um but uh very dedicated very uh sigmar-esque yeah and there, i want to also throw out there that they are culturally uh like uh, from Azerheim in that they they all draw like the 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 great companies of free guilds draw their lineage from from those 12 tribes that fled to Azir um, and as well as like kind of the shock troops the demigriffs and the griffins those creatures hail from Azir mm. uh, so like they're kind of like that 
that symbolism and that like kind of uh, history is is uh, like ties them all together. Yeah, you gotta you gotta import them from from his ear. Um, were there any other humans that grabbed you guys? So I think one of the one of the crucial components that the humans are providing is the collegiate arcane. They they're a you know when you talk about needing to defend yourselves, there's some dangerous magic out there, and so you got to bring some some magic guys to help you out. So this is the collegiate arcane. And what's cool about them is because there may be individual races that have more, I, I would say, talented or more uh, accomplished spellcasters. This is kind of a conglomerate of all these different cultures that they brought together, which is, it's cool. I never thought about it that way. It's like uh, you've got all the magical traditions from all these different cultures and they, they, uh, they're able to kind of pick, pick the best parts or pick the, pick the experts for each. We saw a little bit about this with, um, if you read, uh, we have not read it for this, but, uh, uh, black pyramid, there was, we saw some collegiate arcane in there and some of the rivalries, but they all had their specialties. And so that's, uh, that's a cool aspect that gets, uh, represented in the rules as well down the line. Um, the colleges were founded after the retreat to Azir and then the towers represent each of the eight winds, um, which is, which is uh, familiar to anyone who knew the world that was, and they've got their satellite campuses. And then uh, one of their main tasks is to purify these realm gates. And uh, like Paven was talking about, a lot of these cities are founded on realm gates in the same way that uh, cities in our history are, are often founded on uh, coastlines or rivers as trade routes and, and that sort of thing that kind of build up around that. Um, they, uh, they're pretty cool. They, they need some things to help them get along. Uh, one of the, one of the fun things, and we've talked about this before is the idea of them being spell hunters. So there's reference to the order of the chain flame. Um, so they're, they're pretty, uh, they're a pretty pivotal part to the whole concept of cities of Sigmar. Um, and, uh, they're just, they're just kind of fun. Just a little, just a little fun. Just, just a, a little fun. Just a, just a smattering of fun. I, I like that. I like that. That one thing. They're all human, but they all have their own. You know, just where they come from, or where what magical wind they uh, they subscribe to, or, or whatever the case may be. They they end up uh, being different in that way. So I, I've always kind of enjoyed that. No, I agreed. Um, so uh, Paven, Davey, and I have talked about some of our favorite uh, sub factions. Talk to me about uh, some some of your favorites. So the, some of my favorite sub factions. Yeah, hit me up. Uh, sub, uh, so a kind of stories and narratives that I really appreciated out of this book was um, like the Order Serpentis. So this is like an elven sub-faction and they once ruled the empire of Narkoth in Ulgu. Um, You're so just making always, all those words up. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I always like specifics, uh, even if they're like, you know, nonsense. Um, so it's a mist-shrouded land of boiling acid lakes and black rain um, with castles of black irons like s- sticking up through the through the land. And so that's that's quite a visual. Um, and they are, you know, they're bad dudes. They're slavers. They do human sacrifice and other other vile deeds. Um, and there are, you know, they had a they had an empire where everybody rolled a dragon and they were part of the part of the alliance of order. And they were kind of protected by Malarion from like censure and uh, like aggression from the kind of the more uh, justice minded forces of Azir. But like everybody else, they went down during the age of chaos. And most of um, most of the the the, you know, order Serpentis or the rulers of Narkoth were too proud to 
to to flee or surrender. So most most of them died, but a few of them were, you know, shrewd enough to get out of Dodge, and they fled to Azir with everyone else, and they started to kind of. They were still very insular, and they still like um, they were able to survive like the purges of Azir. Um, I guess they were bad, but not so bad that they you know they were murdered by uh, by the agents of Sigmar. Um, so they 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 regrouped. They brought some dragons, but they don't have nearly as much. And so what they what they what they are on about is they want revenge against uh, chaos for that slight to their pride, and they want to rebuild their kingdoms. And they see as the the current. Um, the current war, whatever the, I guess the soul war, whatever the kind of overarching war versus chaos as a means to rebuild, rebuild and reclaim their kingdoms, which they kind of view as a right. Um, other, other cool points about them is that they are really big into ex- magical experimentation with their monsters. And so they like, like the Drake spawn, um, which are kind of like raptors they ride, are kind of, are not necessarily a creature that is born or natural. It is one that is created from dragon eggs, plus like sacrifice, plus evil magic, and they make these kind of cre- these these scaly creatures. And the Hydra fall, falls in that camp as well. Um, so I think they're cool, and it's definitely like an an, an uh, a point of like friction within like the Grand Alliance, like the Order Serpentis are kind of there in the shadows, pulling strings, similar to the Darkling Covens, which we might get to. Um, but they're not necessarily like, you know, all in for the best for everyone. You know, between these guys and the Darkling Covens and the Daughters of Cain, you know, the the side of order puts up with a lot of nefarious people. Um, I don't... Yeah, well, yeah, mostly coming from elves. Uh, well, at least the Mal- Malarian side elves. Those underwater dudes, I, I, they're kind of douches. Well, it's well. not the side of good; it's the side of order. But not not all not all elves, Davy, are awful. Um, let me tell you about some good elves. Well, I guess just less bad elves. Uh, and those are the the wanderers, my true loves, my original uh, Warhammer Fantasy army. The wanderers, or wood elves, as you may have heard other people call them, not me, but other people, um, are a bunch of nature loving granola crunching um elf people um but th- these are the these are the, the 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 folks that are more in tune with with nature they're the ones from from the from the forest um they uh were basically originally uh residents of gyran um but when the age of chaos rolled up they noped the heck right out of there um they recognized the writing was on the wall or was carved into the bark of a tree. Maybe I don't know how they write um, in Garan, but uh, when they were given the option to uh, flee, whether to Azir or just elsewhere, um, and sort of leave the realm of Garan to you know, presumably the forces of Nurgle, who was most mostly taken over, um, they they did so, and so they became nomads, wanderers. I think we kind of referenced that earlier. Um, however, uh, that was not widely accepted as a great idea or necessarily a noble decision by let's say the Everqueen, uh, Alerio, or uh, Sylvaneth, or anyone basically of that persuasion. 
Um, and because of that, um, these uh, wanderers sort of lost a little bit of their connection to their goddess, who was Illyrial, um, or their the the sort of the Sylvaneth, the tree spirits that they sort of had a kindred relationship with. And so, in doing so, they became outcasts, um, exiled from the the you know the realms, their homes that uh, they knew for so long, um, and they've sort of been cut off. Uh, at least up until relatively recently, and um, we do have some examples these days of maybe the wanderers who are able to. Um, get back into Lariel's good graces here and there, or maybe they're able to win over some Sylvaneth. Um, but by no means are they universally um, forgiven. Uh, but they're they're still they're still doing their best. And so what they do for the uh, cities of Sigmar is they're scouts, they're watchers. They um, if for those cities that may like exist in the forest, like a lot of our Gyran cities, they are you know sort of in tune with nature they um help to you know help defend and and watch from their you know their tree basically like the hunters those tree stands that they have um souped up for uh you know an elven elven uh defender but um they're out there trying to just uh restore restore the realms um and uh we've got our nomad princes uh who are basically descended from their old rulers and they're trying to basically um regain their uh regain their status and make it up to Alarial and the, the Sylvaneth. And so um, I like them, maybe not for that whole spiel that I just gave you, but because I still harken back to my old werewolf days, but um, I love, I love the models and I love their uh, uh, sort of the, the aesthetic. And I, I think it still fits and I think it still works um, in the, uh, in the moral realms, maybe not in a city per se, maybe it's a little anath- anathematic. It's an anathema to have them in a book that's literally called cities, even though they, they ought not be in a city. Um, but I'll, I'll let it slide for, for now. <laughs> so that's another one of my favorite uh, factions. I don't know that they've earned their, earned their place yet back all the way in, in the wild. It might not be. <laughs> Isn't that weird them, that so. like they've been kicked out of the, the wilderness. And so they have to like hang out in a city as you know, instead of vice versa, like they haven't been exiled from a city, but rather they've been exiled into a city. They're like, Oh, this is the worst. What a roof over my head! This is garbage. <laughs> Davey, tell me, tell me about another one of your fave factions, FFs. Uh, I just liked uh, how the Duarden factor in here. Uh, they have their, they kind of have their specialty, their role within the city. So uh, the dispossessed take that name in memory of the all the holds they lost. Now they're kind of the uh, the uh, skilled labor force, highly efficient. They can clear out tunnels. Um, and they, uh, they are also part of the iron weld arsenal, which is, uh, a combined, uh, human and Duarden body. And, uh, they've featured in a bunch of the fiction so far. It's, it's, uh, you always have kind of the interesting interaction between the humans and, and Duarden with that, but they're, they seem to have sort of a, a mutual respect there. And it's fun where they get to come up with all the crazy inventions, like the, the gyrocopters and the, uh, more bizarre artillery pieces in the steam tank and that sort of thing. Um, but it's, uh, what's neat about this is, is this, like we talked, talked about like the, the many different elements, each providing their, their own specialty to the mix. Right on. Paven, I'll tell you what, give me one more sweet faction before we move on beyond these, these groups. Oh boy. How to choose. I want to talk about. Or group all the rest of them together into one, if you want. Yeah, I'll just try to talk real quick. Actually, I'll just talk about the Shadow Blades um, because they are a they're it'll be short and sweet. They're a mysterious Elven cult. Um, we don't know their origins, but they are closely allied with Sigmar and Azir. And 
they were first deployed um, in mass during the purge of Azir. So that during this like um, kind of rooting out all of the evil that came with the refugees into Azarheim. And so it was like an in mass deployment of assassins just into the general population. And just like imagine kind of the terror uh, that would unleash. And they've been like kind of, and it says a century of murder here. Like it was like a hundred years of purging and assassinations and of people disappearing and dropping dead. And that's a very like kind of interesting moment within the fiction. And as well as like, you have this faction representing that kind of uh, very, um, brutal and devastating kind of decision by Sigmar. Um, yeah, that, that's it. And the Shadow Warriors are cool. They're part of that group. It's not just the Assassins. And, and Shadow Warriors are specifically part of the Shadow Blade group. Um, but they're like elves that have lost everything to chaos, which there's a lot of people that have lost everything to chaos. And this is specifically a group of elves that have lost their kingdoms or their families or their kind of their hope. Um, and so they do join this group of like kind of devastating gorilla warriors i was gonna make a gorilla joke never mind um yeah and those are super cool and plus there's the guy like there's some folks on like horses too right um oh yes dark riders are also dark riders as well yeah so it's there's a million ways for them to come in and assassinate you uh they, they get real creative with their their methods that's for sure um by no means are these all the the factions um we're just touching on some of our favorites mm. uh there's plenty of other elven factions we didn't even touch touch on what was left of the high elves which is uh, you know, the, the Phoenix Temple, there's this Scourge Privateers, which is also very cool, the Darkling Covens, um, I'm, I'm sure amongst amongst others. So there's there's a whole bunch of different of these competing or working together allied um, factions set in all these different cities of, of different varying amounts. Um, some cities are, you know, predominantly controlled by one one group of, of those folks that we, we talked about. Each city is sort of defined by where it is, what it does, but then also who lives there. And um, so, as you can see, there's a, a wide variety of different fo- uh, forces under the umbrella of the uh, Cities of Sigmar. But hey, if we've got a battle tome uh, called Cities of Sigmar, I feel like we've been, we'd be remiss if we didn't go ahead and actually talk about some of the cities themselves. So, uh, the battle tome does have a number of examples of some of the great... Uh, cities that were founded in, in this sort of time period in this time frame um, after and they all kind of they all kind of split into two different realms right Gyren and uh, actually except for which, one which literally splits into two different realms though uh, which yeah uh, Hammer Hall itself um, the the Sigmar's crowning crowning jewel in 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 the um, I'm going to say the the rest of the mortal realms. And so, yeah, that's that's where this book this book focuses. Some of these major cities. Um, by no no means are these the only realms that have these you know major cities. But um, Gyran and actually are, are prime real estate um, for Sigmar to have, to have founded his his sort of beachheads um, in, into the the mortal realms. Davy, is there any particular city that uh, grabbed you that you wanted to talk to talk about? Yeah, I liked uh, Tempest's Eye. Uh, now, Tempest Eye is in Akshi, and uh, it's a mountaintop stronghold. Uh, there's all manner of sky ships, specifically even referred to some that uh, I'm not totally familiar with. Uh, there was uh, airships and gyro cutters, or maybe they're sand- hero cutters. I don't know. Anyway, it, it's a hub for trade. The overlords are really invested in this. I, um, I should have so known. They, <laughs> they contract out some uh, protection there. And, uh, but because the, and this was the part that I thought was pretty fun was that the, um, 
it's it's positioned so high up that it's uh, suffused with azure uh, magical energy. And so they have a little bit of that uh, prophecy thing going on. Or, or uh, uh, And so they, they really kind of value engagement with, uh, I don't know, like you almost think of it as like a military intelligence, right? Like the having foreknowledge. And so they, they have uh, lots of scouts and they have outriders and um, pistoliers and fast moving cavalry and uh, gyrocopters and gyro bombers. And I just, uh, I really like the idea of this, uh, this big keep that was, that was up there. It, it, uh, it made me imagine some pretty cool tables that you could build um, having, having a battle over this with big sort of precipitous drops and, and such. Um, and like all these cities, they call out specifically which uh, storm host has a uh, keep in the middle. And this one is the Tempest Lords who are uh, all from Hishian nobility. And they think not only is it our job to, uh, to wage war on, on behalf of Sigmar, but also we need to lead everybody because uh, we're super good at it and everyone should really value our opinions. So they're involved in like all the politics of the city and all the, all the major decisions, which is uh, an interesting take for a storm host. Um, they got a cool color scheme too. So yeah, that, that was, uh, that was pretty fun. Uh, the, uh, every one of these cities also has a little, like a little blurb. Um, and, uh, this, this one really kind of focused on shadow warriors, but it talked about some of the dynamics between, uh, between these, uh, shadow warriors and what to expect from, uh, you know, whether they thought the overlords were reliable or not. And, uh, so that was, uh, their interesting dynamics and, uh, visually it, it uh, created some cool images for me. How about you, Paven? Um, I would like to talk about Hollow Heart. It's a very interesting, cool city. So Hollow Heart's really cool because it's built upon this, this giant pillar um, in the middle of this chasm. It's called the Shimmering Abyss is the chasm. And say on top of this pillar was once home to a old Zinch demon called the Weird Flame Drake. And that was killed by Hollowed Knights and Fire Slayers during, um, during the uh, Realm Gate Wars, I believe. And it is this whole area is just suffused with magic and this like the shimmering abyss is just has tons of caves filled with all kinds of valuable minerals, but includes, but that includes Emberstone, which is the realm stone from the realm of fire. Hollow heart is in Akshi. Um, and so it's got a lot of magical elements, but also like a few tensions, including like the, they, because Zinch had such a, powerful influence on this land they have to be on constant guard against corruption and against just like magic run amok so the um the stormcast and the hallowed knights have their storm keep here and they stormcast are on like constant uh vigilant guard against kind of corruption or mutation or wild magic um but what's different between that kind of vigilant yeah vigilance and um the kind of the relationship that the um, Knights Excelsior have in Excelsius is that the it's also like kind of a very religious city, and you have this um, Celatrine uh, Cathedral, which is a great like kind of place of worship for Sigmar, and the Hollow Knights are looked at as kind of like saintly protectors because of their piety and the kind of their general behavior. Um, but they live in this shining citadel. Also, a lot of great spell hunters come from Hollow Heart just because of the the individual, like, um, just the citizenry 
tends to have a resistance to magic because of like how suffused this area is. And they just have so many like really great wizards um, that they're like, you know, they, they can earn their keep doing, uh, doing the spell hunting. There's also a short story here. We should say that all of the cities have a short story relating to them, kind of like talking about the tensions and the um, like kind of a, a example of like kind of the stereotypical group that would be fighting for a city in, in the magic unbound short story in hollow heart. It's um, men and mages and fire slayers, like kind of dealing with a Zinchian incursion and like, and, and like an endless spell kind of running amok in one of the caverns around the city. Very cool. That's hollow heart. That is cool. And that is hollow heart. I did that as an aside. That was, I think, the the story I enjoyed the most. Uh, the the wizard was pretty, pretty entertaining. Just kind of absent minded, um, like ah yeah, I should probably let's see. Isn't this isn't this interesting? Oh, I guess we should uh, probably deal with that giant burning head that keeps on wrecking everything. You know, I got a feel for how that. Uh, I don't know, like that. It was a that was a cool take to to uh, have in there. Can I? Do you guys mind if I tell you about the living city? There's nothing Please I'd do. want more. Excellent, because I I have it all queued up and ready to share with you and the listeners. Um, so the living city, city uh, is a city in Gairan, and it is one of the original uh, Seeds of Hope. So it, it's one of those cities that they everyone was sort of fighting, fighting over back in that um, Seasons of War campaign. Um, how it came to be is uh, Alariel, uh, when she was sort of roused from her like hibernation like status that she was in during the realm gate wars um she was willing to sort of ally with sigmar again and as a show of good faith uh just as a good faith gesture um she uh basically created the living city sort of she she raised the boughs of the ever spring swath which is the um the continent in Gairan where the city exists um, and basically raised the stone walls made of, you know, intertwined uh, tree limbs and other natural components basically. Um, and so she created it. It wasn't necessarily like built by, you know, Dwarden like some of the other cities were, um, but it was, you know, God made uh, basically, but in doing so she allowed essentially all, all free people, free people to come and uh, to live there. Um, it's not, not just meant for her, her followers, whether you're, you know, a human follower of Valeria or you're a Sylvaneth and those folks live there too. Um, but an- anybody um, of the order um, sort of faction can come and, and live there. Um, it is home to the Oak Spire, which is the uh, storm keep of one of the two storm hosts that, that hang out here. Um, it's the Stormkeep of the Gyran Guard, which is the dumbest name it, named Stormhost uh, that exists. Um, but it also is home to a smaller uh, contingent of the Hallowed Knights, which are way cooler uh, and only the faithful. Um, but uh, those are the, the main defenders of, of the city. Um, it's also home to a fair bit of those wanderers that I was talking about earlier. Um, but they've been sort of relegated to the outskirts because of that sort of aforementioned um, tension between the Sylvaneth and the what they would consider traitors um, to Gairan. But it, it seems like they're making progress. Maybe they're making inroads into the into the city. One of their main exports, I feel like I'm giving a book report here. Um, one of the main exports is uh, Iron Oak, which is super cool. So I feel like we, I mean, I feel like we heard about Iron Oak a long time ago, maybe a Black Library book or something, where uh, a knight from Gairan was all decked out in armor, but it wasn't metal armor, but rather this 
hard as metal wood, um, which is this iron oak. Um, but it's one of their main exports. It's, it's this, you know, very tough, uh, workable material, um, to, you know, for, for armor, for, for example, or any number, any number of other building, uh, projects as well. It's very cool. Um, the defense is made up of the, um, the wanderers and the Sylvaneth and the free guild all working together, um, under the title of this like Viridian shield, which is, uh, very noble sounding and, and it fits the motif for sure. And then the, uh, little story that they, they little blurb that they give you, um, is basically what it would, what it, what, what it looks like when those wanderers and Sylvaneth and free guild are working together. You've got the sort of irreverent free guild, um, working alongside the wanderers, the very noble, um, elven, very, um, unhumored elven, uh, you know, woodsmen, um, both, both of those groups, uh, interacting together and then also like from a th- from a third perspective like re- referencing the sylvaneth like are they going to come are they going to like they're going to come when they say they're going to come can we really trust them um surprise you can't trust them and the, those groups are able to drive off uh i believe a uh, uh, an example of the order of the fly which we haven't seen in a long time um but one of davy's favorites i know that yeah for sure there was a cool parallel here with the overlords over at uh tempest eye and the uh sylvaneth Here's like, ah, are they going to help? I'm not sure. And for different reasons, they're sort of uh, not 100% reliable allies. So from from the perspective of some of the some of the factions that are counting on their aid, yeah, exactly. So um, it just goes to show that although everyone's sort of fighting ideally under the same banners, there, there's still that that tension. Tension, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and friction between uh, the the groups. Um, when, whenever you pull these disparate groups together, you're gonna you're gonna get some of that. But you gotta work through it. Yeah, and I I think it's a nice uh, like description of like the there's like different levels of like closeness between the different factions. Like the city dwellers are all very like used to living and working together. So like within the living city, the elves and the humans, but the Sylvaneth are kind of separate. Like they they you know they have common goals, but like they don't they, they don't always show up, right? They don't like they're they're not necessarily the Sylvaneth live in like separate parts and like they're not necessarily mm-hmm. your neighbors you're not necessarily trading with them they're just like oh they are our forest friends but they're a little unknowable and there's like a you know maybe there's a cultural difference there that's similar to the um the way the the caradron overlords interact with the tempest eye like they're they're not they're not your your family they're kind of your colleagues sure Bus- business partners and then you know there's other there's like the the flip side of this city and i don't know that we're going to hit every single one but the the flip side of of the living city feels like it's gray water fastness where, where they're also in Gyron, but have like industrial wastelanded the, uh, the surrounding area. And so the Sylvaneth are not going to come help them. And in fact, like they're almost under perpetual siege from the Sylvaneth all around them. And I like that those two concepts can exist at the same time. Yeah. Why can't you be more like your, your living city Sylvaneth? So gray water, you know, it's, it's sort of, like I said, the city under siege, uh, there it was this this big uh battle where they unleashed uh unleashed great power to kind of turn back the tides of chaos but the, the side effect was that they created the ghoul mirror which is this basically uh toxic swamp all around them which sylvaneth not psyched about um but they are particularly famous for their artillery companies um they if you think of like uh a super industrial uh, city that that's what this is uh, and so I think that although 
although the the creation of the ghoul mirror was this one precipitating event i feel like they're they're not helping matters with their continued heavy industry um but uh, maybe they figure that's a that's a lost cause for them or or some such uh and they have uh i mean again they have the the story uh, attached to it is uh rain of fire and you, you get to see this is one of those examples of a the dynamic uh, with the Iron Weld Arsenal. So if that's if that's what you want to uh, want to read about, then hop into that one. That's a that's kind of a good blurb of how they operate, uh, fighting off a big old uh, swarm of Skaven, uh, and also some of the ideas of like how how the defenses for these cities are set up, because uh, this is kind of like flies the honey or whatever, to use a more polite term, I guess, um, where you have these cities, they've kind of become targets, and so they have to. They have to be prepared to fight off whatever comes. Very cool, Paven. You got another city you want to you want to chat about? Yeah, I want to talk about Anvilgard um, because it's got it's got some real cool elements to it. So Anvilgard is a seaport in Akshi, so a hot, sweaty port, um, and it's you know it's in a jungle. So you might think like a kind of aggressive jungle would be like a theme of Gairan, but no, this is a this is a realm of fire jungle, and but it also has such a kind of kind of mean and territorial plant life that they have to kind of fight it back um, using and the way they, they're fighting it back, you know, different cities do different things. But um, so example, Hammer Hall, uh, Gyran fights back their like aggressive fauna with like lava in Anvil Guard, They use noxious defoliants developed by the Iron World <laughs> Alchemist. And it kind of shrouds the city in a perpetual like mist or like kind of like kind of the humid smog um, just kind of it feels very atmospheric to me probably not great for you but you know the we've been assured that it's you know harmless to humans or harmless yeah. to mortals yeah um, anvils of the Heldenhammer Stormkeep is here because they it's called anvil guard and they're anvils uh, but they're kind of a they're kind of a more morose storm house, but I don't see them affecting the culture of the city too much. The culture is really heavily defined by the elves that live here. And so um, the Scourge Privateers, the Order Serpentis, and even the Covens all exert a lot of influence over the city. And it's um, kind of a kleptocracy because the they still have the Grand Conclave, but it's really all the strings are being pulled from behind the scenes by the black scale coil, which is a council of elves that like through assassinations and bribery and other like kind of nefarious means controls the governance of the city. And so when the, the, you know, the free guild guard of the and of anvil guard go out, they they're usually, you know, going out to further the interests of the black scale coil. Um, so I think that's, that's a city that has a lot of gray in it, which I like. It has a lot of like air, r- realms of, f- of friction I like. And that, yeah, that was just a very, a very cool place that I want to see more of. What else did you like, Aaron? Well, let me tell you about the Phoenicium. Is another uh, of our uh, Gyran original Seeds of Hope um, cities, and so what it was is that initially it was just like a, a ser- like a ruin basically on, on, at the base of this mountain range um, in Gyran. I think it's the uh, Arborean Mountain um, specifically. Uh, it's, it was like a it was like a weird tree like mountain, and uh, at at one point, like during a mighty battle, this ruin um, uh, was was 
created as such um, because the lower slopes of the mountain were um, like torn apart and a tidal wave of like sticky sap was yeah, released. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> because it was a, it was a, it was a tree-like mountain. So of course a bunch of sap came down, but what that did is created like a giant like glacier and it like preserved this area in, in hardened amber. Um, think the mosquito in Jurassic Park, but on, on a much larger scale. Um, and so uh, basically a bunch of um, f- uh, like anointed of the, the Phoenix, um, what do you call it? The Phoenix temple uh, rolled up and found this place. And I'm like, Oh, this is weird. Like, what, what do we, what do we found here? And their Phoenixes like took, took to the sky and proceeded to like melt all this Amber. And what it did is like, it created a gold, like an, another mist here, uh, a, a golden mist that um, sort of enveloped the ruins and persists even to, even to today. This one with a higher probability of being uh, beneficial to mortal health. Uh, I don't know, because I think it says enemies who stray too close to the mist are transformed into amber statues. Um, and then they add you to the gleaming rampart. So like, yeah, maybe if you're cool, it's fine, but, um, it, not everybody is all right. But anyways, um, what they did is they, they then built the city up once it was sort of freed from the amber and it's now, um, the, like the, the capital city for, um, those, the, the, um, like the, the Phoenix temple, um, elves. So basically it's those elves that, um, worship the earth Phoenix. Um, they ride around on their flame spire or whatever the ice Phoenix is called. And, uh, that, that's basically their capital. So for the most part, that's who runs the show here. Um, even if you want to be in the army of the Phoenix temple, you got to be an elf. Um, but, uh, given that they do work so closely with order, um, the God King does have, um, a, another storm host that's based here. I think it's the, uh, the lions of Sigmar. So they're, 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 um, uh, storm keep is here as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it just is a, a neat place for, um, the Phoenix temple elves to, um, call home. And so they, they need a place to live and here it is pretty cool town. Yeah. Like a center of healing and rejuvenation. Yeah. And they don't necessarily consider themselves like the armies here or the city isn't necessarily a, a place to wage war from it's it's very much more of a more of a, a central location like a beacon of culture rather rather than like a stronghold um but as you might expect this is warhammer they do have to you know fight a good battle here here and there as is necessary yeah this this city definitely leans more on the like kind of spiritual uh identity rather than like the kind of more uh economic or corporate identity of like other cities or the kind of military aspects yeah, That's agreed. Cool the spread. Guys, we've all avoided talking about the big, the big elephant in the room, the or like in both the both rooms. Um, in that there's there's Hammerhall, the the big show. Um, maybe we all talk about Hammerhall together as allies. Yeah, my my favorite thing about it, Hammerhall, Paven already kind of mentioned this with uh, where they've got to play creatively with the uh, the how it exists in the two two realms at once so uh all the bounty and produce from gyre in the realm of life is being provided over to Akshi. and as far as i can figure most of what Akshi is providing is liquid hot magma to keep the keep the uh jungles at bay on the what other more side do you, what more do you want i think is yeah. also the side of like manufacturing so you get sure, the raw yeah. mi- minerals moral materials from and the agricultural products from Gyran, and then they trade yeah. those for Y'all, but th- this is this is what's fun. This is the sort of thing that you can only do with a fantasy setting. Like it's it's a 
so it's enjoyable for that. I feel like I'm saying fun a lot in this episode, but because <laughs> well, it's, it's a fun episode. Fun I'm having fun. Paven, what do you know about Hammerhall? Um, what I like about Hammerhall, at least their description here, is the the zo- we're zooming in a little bit more than I've seen in the past. So they talk about like kind of the 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 grandeur of Hammerhall and how it is like kind of the great city in the mortal realms that isn't Azerheim. But they also talk about how that's it's so big that you know you can't not everything can be a grand palace. So they talk about some of the darker, seedier places called like the Cinderfall District and Blackwood Town, which are like kind of where the the rough and tumble kind of groups and peoples uh, kind of scrap out their living. And they also and so I think that's cool. Any kind of time we can zoom in real close and look at what's going on. They talk. Uh, they talk also about the culture of the free guild regiments and which they have. Uh, is it seven, nine, seven, seven military guilds? I, 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 yeah. I have seven right seven, now. seven military guilds, uh, each one descending from the tribes that uh, Sigmar brought to Azir before the gates were closed. Uh, we've been saying twelve, maybe it was seven, but uh, um, they are. They're they're very proud of how uh, stubborn they are, how fanatical they are, and there's this there's this whole thing about how one regiment uh, lost their flag. It was this big shameful thing, and then they went on this huge suicidal charge after it and got wiped out. And uh, you would think that would be a story about like, Oh wow. You know, look where foolish pride gets you. But the, the residents of Hammerhall uh, described it as like, Oh, look at this time. We were so like stubborn and badass that we, uh, we went to the very death to get a, a flag. Um, and, and part of that pride and stubbornness is like thinking that they're the best because they're associated with this, the, uh, the hammers of Sigmar, the, the first storm host. Um, and so they're, they're proud to be associated with that. This is, this is like the hammers of Sigmar city, right? Like this is if, if ever a city has a, a storm host, this is theirs, right? Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. Um, we've spent a little bit of time in hammer hall and I'll say previous episodes in that when we read that little novella, uh, appropriately named hammer hall, um, although not only maybe half the time was spent in the city itself, but, um, when Paven was talking about sort of the, the seedier sides of town, um, a, a bit of that story takes place in those, you know, um, dark alleyways, uh, warehouse districts, um, where you can get up to all sorts of no good, um, uh, as we were sort of follow, uh, following a witch hunter, um, about a, about a mystery. Um, so it, it very much tracks that there is um these uh nef- nefarious um or opportunities to get up to nefarious um work uh even on directly under the eye of um of the god king um one of one of the uh one of my i guess favorite free guilds that we ever read about in the fiction is the faithful blades which i think are based yep, out of hammerhall or at least nearby hammerhall but yep both read uh, in that hammerhall story but then also maybe referenced in uh um, the yeah. Shadespire book that we read as well. And I guess maybe to, a point that made was made earlier when we were talking about free guild, just generally that like, yeah, no, that's a good point. Not all free guilders are disciplined and noble fighters, but there are plenty of folks who are just in it because it's a job or maybe have no desire to be in the free guild or maybe have to uh, cut loose and um, turn coat as well. So um it sort of comes full circle uh, back to a few of the, some of the other stories that we've read. Um, so it's, I like when, whenever we get a chance to, uh, I guess, revisit Hammerhall, even if it's less in a, a lore base, less in a story base and more just, you know, in a, in a battle tome, but um, 
all things, at least in this region, orbit Hammer Hall. It is it is a force to be reckoned with. I think at one point someone it says something like it's almost a continent sized type city, <laughs> which seems that seems exaggerated is an exaggeration, but um, I bet it seems that way. Hammerhall will be the sort of place that we, I imagine we'll revisit from, you know, years and years uh, to come that, that we're going to be spending a lot of time there. Yeah. It, it feels like it's the, it's the sort of prototypical archetype, you know, the, the, the first thing you think about when you think of cities of Sigmar is, is Hammerhall. So I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a, it'll continue to be sort of a pivot point. Uh, moving forward. Yeah, agreed. You guys want anything else about Hammerhall you want to chat about? I think we, we got it in one. Uh, cool. We've got our cities. We've got our people. So uh, apparently we've got our, our, our cities of Sigmar. Everybody just stays within the city walls. They don't uh, venture out. They don't, they don't interact with the world at large. Um, everybody just stays home and watches TV. Uh, just kidding. We're going to have our enemies and we're going to have our allies. We The book doesn't go too deep into at least maybe specifically who our enemies are beyond just sort of the generic um, forces that exist out there. But did you guys glean or were you able to suss out any particular um, enemies or um, folks that are, are buttonheads with our, our cities of Sigmar? So I think they, they, kind of make the case with all the little short stories there uh one for each of the so like seven little short stories where they are fighting all kinds of different things they're fighting you know uh ghouls and they're fighting beastmen and they're fighting orcs and uh gloom spite and i think it's it's kind of outlining just how many and myriad the threats are to the uh the cities of sigmar there so uh the enemies are everyone who's not order, and then just kidding. Also, actually, some of order as well, depending on uh, what they're up to. So, surprise, it's order. Yeah, yeah. Mortal Realm's a bad neighborhood. <laughs> there are no good neighborhoods. Well, well, I guess maybe it's here, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a dangerous place out there. But as far as the allies go, you could then argue that like a lot of the forces of order at any given time could be an ally to our cities of Sigmar. Um, I guess probably your most tried and true are going to be your Stormcast, given that they are, you know, Sigmar's will made manifest, and they're there to both protect the free guild and, and work, um, not just free guild, the cities, um, and and work alongside them. Especially considering their storm hosts, storm keeps are, are set up within these cities, um, so they do work hand in hand and arm in arm. Um, and then I guess we've we've talked about some other examples of other forces of order who may live in these cities, like Sylvaneth or um, the Overlords, or other examples that have sp- specific vested interests um, in uh, specific cities that exist in the realms, um, the Living City and the Tempest Eye, uh, respectively. Um, but then, as you might expect, we're we're working with all sorts of other um, forces of order as the needs dictate. Uh, whether it's in this book or stuff that we've read elsewhere, I mean, you're gonna you could hire a fire slayer um, group. Um, uh, there's plenty of opportunity to work with the daughters of Cain, even though I don't know why you would want to. Um, we've read uh, in the Forbidden Power story how um, that I did I didn't have Deepkin come to sort of save the day at at Lake Lethus um, uh, to save the um, the forces there. So um, it, it you know it it occurs that other forces of order will. Uh, rise to the occasion and ally with our, our cities of Sigmar folks. Um, if the need arises, do you guys have any other allies or, or folks you want to call out? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, n- narrative allies would be the Seraphon as well, because um, they're oh, yes. brought up and they're they're good they're good order buddies, although they're not literal allies as of yet. Um, and then I'd like to point out that the cities themselves represent an alliance of sorts, like they are a collection of disparate factions and cultures, like kind of forged together in like kind of the trauma of the age of chaos to build the cities themselves. The allies were in you all along. The allies were the friends we made along the way. All right, so um, that's that's some sweet lore uh, and background that we've we've covered. But um, one of my favorite topics to talk about is is what our uh, favorite units uh, of the book are. So we're getting we're getting smaller and smaller. We talked about um, our, our favorite cities. We talked about our favorite uh, factions. Now let's talk about specific units that that floated our boat. Um, Davy, did you have any uh, favorite units? Whether um, there are units that you've always liked because all these are basically re- reprints of, of uh, models that have already existed. Or have you seen uh, some units or, or um, models in a new light um, from a new perspective that you hadn't uh, thought about before? Uh, so I have, I, I like the idea of the uh, Iron Breakers and Iron Drakes existing in context with these and having this specific role of know we're gonna hold the line we're gonna fight in these tight confines and uh make things happen there it, that's kind of a, a cool way to, for them to have a role within this this greater thing sort of this specialty that they're particularly good at and uh i think the models are rad as heck so um it's fun to have them have a, a reason to be out there um and then uh i was never like all that excited about uh pistoliers or outriders but I was reading about them just because Tempest Eye kind of spoke to me. And uh, they look pretty neat uh, rules-wise. I don't have a good sense if they're they're strong or anything like that. But it, it's, they talk about that idea of a versim- versimilitude uh, where it looks like they do what they are supposed to. And that uh, I like the idea of these sort of uh, dashing humans. I think we saw an outrider in um, uh, Black Pyramid. Uh, and he had a fabulous mustache and this sort of jaunty cavalier attitude. And so, uh, they, they seem like a, they seem like a cool set of units. I like them. What, what, uh, was anyone speak to you, Aaron? Um, yeah, no. So, uh, I've, I've always been a big fan of wood elves. And so a lot of the newer models in that range, um, still get me excited. And so I would say that like just wild, wide, wild riders, which I never realized how hard that is to say quickly. Um, uh, still uh, float my boat. Um, I really like both, like sort of the old lore uh, behind them. But I don't know that it necessarily uh, jive with sort of the new perspective on what a wild rider is. I feel like it, it doesn't harken back to that, you know, that old um, lore behind it. And so I was trying to figure out what what in this book would like does grab me, or what what new perspective um, did I not consider um, before? And I found myself gravitating to the Scourge Privateers, and maybe I'll say specifically the Black Ark Fleet Black Ark Fleetmaster, if I had to pick one, but really all of them. Um, in that, I think they did a really good job repurposing or reimagining or reinventing what um, a, a dark elf could be in this new setting in this new world and how you would justify it being part of this like city of Sigmar book. And I don't know that they did a great job across the board, but with these, like these elves specifically, these, these pirates, these privateers, um, I think they did do a good job and it's incredibly convincing and uh, how, how they might exist and how they might serve a role or a place 
in these cities. Um, and I think I have been convi convinced of that both from this book, but then also from the, um, the Callus and Toll stories and Aretha, Aretha Zenth, Aretha something Zenth. Anyways, um, but those stories are told so well from, from Nick Horth that that really did a, a, a big, a lot of work in, in winning me over. And um, because of that, I, I, I'm really, uh, I guess, gung-ho about the, the Scourge Privateers, and I'd like to see that maybe more fleshed out and would have liked to have seen them maybe get a little bit more screen time in this this uh, book. And it's almost, it's almost serves like sort of in a stark contrast to some of the other Dark Elf stuff, not, not to get too negative on that, but I, I feel like some of the, oh, these guys are real, real bad. Um, they're doing secret um, nefarious plans in the in the alleys and stuff like that. Um, but uh, you got to trust them because they're really good in a fight. I feel like that motif is repeated over and over with some of the other Dark Elf factions, whereas the Scourge Privateer just as a whole um, seemed a little bit more, a, fr a little more fresh, a little bit unique. And um, because that I, I, I uh, like what they did with them. Plus the models still either they're new or they hold up pretty well. So um, cool. I like, I like this that that group as a whole uh paven tell me about some of your favorite uh units uh models i think are cool are the celestial hurricanum i think is uh a dope a dope mini i really like the the different options you have for the hero on griffin i think that's a really cool one um but what I like, oh, Charybdis, honorable mention for sure. But I think what I like the most is trying to take uh, miniatures from different ranges that were like kind of designed really separately and trying to build them into a cohesive force that kind of makes, makes sense artistically and thematically. And, you know, pulling Stormcast into them. And then I think that both is like a cool creative project and... Um, can really accentuate some of the differences specifically like around Stormcast being giant demigods and then putting them next to like, you know, a small human with a stick and a, like a big hat kind of really, uh, you know, shines a light on their differences and what makes them both unique. Well, even just on the cover of this book, you, you have a, uh, a great sword, you know, uh, posing jauntily in the front, but just off to the right, you can see a, I think a retributor and it, you're like, whoa, that guy's big. Like it, it, uh, I think that's a visual of what you're talking about there. Um, and it, yeah, it's, that's cool. That's a, that's a neat, uh, duality to be able to, um, uh, think about and field and all that sort of thing. So was the answer Stormcast? The answer, I think the coolest minis are the, are the, are the, the couple like free, like the old empire kits, I think are okay. the ones that hold up the best. Um, but what is most exciting to me from a hobby perspective is trying to combine all of these different ranges into a cohesive force. I gotcha. Okay. I don't so know if that was the question you asked, but it's the so question. The answer is the challenge that comes along with yeah, creating. Yeah, it's like the really, the, the, yeah, the, the miniatures are inside of you all along. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, the, it's the metaphorical miniature that, it's the perfect miniature that you're trying to achieve. I get it. I'm on board now, but, but I'm not really because I hate conversions, but to each their own. But not really. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I like the. I often like the idea of conversions more than the, the actual implementation. So we're almost on the same side. Uh, cool. So th those are some of our 
favorite units, but man, there are a bazillion in this book. Um, whenever it comes down to a, and I know some people don't like this term when, we, when you've got a soup battle tome, um, you're really wading through, wading through the options, like the condensed, I don't know what we say six or something or no more than that, like 10 sub factions into one book. Um, obviously there's going to be all sorts of other, you're, everybody's going to be able to find at least something that they, they like um, in this book, or if they don't, then you must be a chaos, death, or destruction player. <laughs> so uh, sometimes uh, I like to talk about the special characters in the books, and I had written down here initially that there were no special characters. But Pavan, you had mentioned a certain individual that you wanted to chat about. Um, what, what did you want to bring up uh, about the Magister of Hammer Hall himself? Yeah, uh, Aventus Firestrike deserves a special call out, I think, because. He is the Magister of Hammerhall, and his city is in this book, Hammerhall. And he actually gets specific bonuses for being included in the Hammerhall army. So given that there's no other named characters in the War Scrolls in the back, I think that is a cool call out and a cool synergy that they built into the rules. So you can have like, you know, a city led by its boss or not by its boss, by its, but its best wizard. <laughs> by his number one wizard boy. Um it, it's interesting in that like Hammerhall is so important and you would think then the Magister of Hammerhall would be just as important, but like he doesn't come up all that uh, often um, in the lore and the stories. Like I don't, I don't hear his name dropped all that often. So if maybe this is an indication that like he's maybe going to start getting some more screen time, like I'd be all for that. Like I want to know more about the dude. Um, what's his deal? What's his name? What's his sign? Um, so uh, because of that, I'd, I'd be interested to hear more about him. Plus his, his model's pretty legit as well was there anything else you want to talk about that no that's like all the information i have on this guy so cool mini he, he lives in hammer hall that's where his house is that's where he summers all right neat let's let's uh let's see if there's any other points of interest any other things that jumped off the page at you guys i'll start with one just that i found interesting so as far as i could tell the devoted the devoted of sigmar which was its own sub faction has kind of almost been eliminated beyond just the flagellates um, specifically I th a notable absence was the witch hunters. I understand there's their suds sunsetting the, the model. I think they were probably all fine cast or metal at this point, but like we have spent a lot of time with witch hunters in the moral realms lately, uh, or at least over the past uh, four or five years or whatever it's been. Um, and to see them like not even really, really mentioned in the book seemed crazy to me. Did anybody else feel the, the notable absence of the witch hunter? So I know they specifically talked about them uh, being in hollow heart. I think it was uh, where they, but it was, it was maybe just a line or two. If I'm going to try to justify this, it always felt weird to me when witch hunters would come onto the battlefield, I guess like it, it never felt like that's, that was the place that they were supposed to be. Like they're these kind of, detectives and investigators and it, it, it they always felt like they should be operating on a smaller scale than than a full-scale battle you know it it felt like uh bringing your you know chief inspector you know out out you know like sherlock holmes showed up on the battlefield or something and i know they're they're a more combative version than than that but uh i guess that but i they're so they're so iconic to uh warhammer whether it's Age of Sigmar or Fantasy Battle, it, it feels weird to see them depart the game. So I wonder if we aren't going to see them again down the line at some point, a reimagining or a, a re-sculpt or something. 
So you are optimistic. Always. <laughs> yeah, that you, that describes you to a T. I guess I don't know. I'm just going to con- continue on. Another thing that I found interesting is that they mentioned somewhere in the book that the Collegiate Arcane have seemed to develop new and terrible weapons of war, like etheric lance cannons that can fire into other realms, orbs that slow time, and negastone arcs that drag everyone into like a gravitational pull. Um, so I bring this up because there are no endless spells really in this book they, they have some special rules about how they can interact with other endless spells but they like how all the new factions are been getting their own signature spells um these folks haven't been getting them they don't have any they don't have any new models for the spells um but what they just described seem like endless spells um it seems like they're doing work to create new you know magical um inventions or or, or what have you um so i thought it was a a weird lack to not have these new on the spells, but then sort of call out um, the work that the collegiate arcane is doing. So I, I got to wonder if there's some plans in the pipeline or is this just a a nod to what could have been? It seems a little insulting. How dare they? (laughs) Yeah. I really, I really like the uh, etheric lance cannons because that's some great, like that shoot into other realms because that's some grade a age of cigar nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Get your mind right. Age of Sigmar. What are you doing? No, I mean that in, in, as, in as appreciative way as I possibly can. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, what? Yeah. Uh, me too. And then finally, uh, they say something about how the executioners, which is those dark elf executioners, um, some claim are both half elf and half shadowkin. Uh, whoa, 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 wiggity, what? What's a sh- what's a shadowkin? Like again, you're just making nonsense up. I feel like um, those were Malarians buddies. Yeah, I wonder if it's related to that. Uh tenebral shard that we saw back in silver tower forever ago and fingers crossed that's pretty cool but um this is me just dropping hints um this is me sifting through the the words of this book trying to find something interesting um did you guys have any uh interesting points jump out at you um well i have like a lot of like speculation around this book and i I don't want speculation yeah i don't want to get too much into like trying to second guess games workshops like kind of production decisions because if you don't then who will well i just it's not i don't know how valuable it is and like you know some of the culling of certain factions were i think obviously like decisions to make about inventory and maybe like creating design space for other things to come through but i think like there's a lot within this book is kind of like a base for the system to grow like it's very easy to add more things to the cities of sigmar like um, like just more cities would be something to simply do and expand the number of like factions within it by giving them the faction keyword and these types of things. And I hope there is more opportunities to really dig into these cities and get like more out of it. And my like secret great fear. And I don't even know. I don't know if this is <laughs> it strikes the right tone for the podcast is that, like, this is where miniatures go to die is this book. Um, yeah. So I really hope that's not the case. And I don't think it will be the case now that they have a proper tone, but yeah, I, I think it's a 50, I think it's a 50, 50 shot. I think there's an equal chance that this is the end. This is the last time. This was just to get them like a book. Mm-hmm. It's now shut it's shipped. And like, that's the end of it. Um, yeah. I mean, okay. Like, uh, you know, if that's, if you think that's right to do games workshop, I'll be here for you. But um, <laughs> yeah, but I won't I, be here. I feel like there's a space that needs to be filled with like, you're just a guy, right? In, in, in the mortal realms. Like, how do you, like, that is the most, uh, that is the position where you can empathize the most with as a as a guy in the real world. I think there needs to be some representation for that. And this is like a great place for it. And like, 
I feel like if you took that out, you need like it'd be it'd be a missed opportunity not to have like something else in there. And that's why I'm hoping that they dig in deeper and they um, expand this in cool ways. Also, if I'm going to wish list, like let's get some rules for my own cities. Like, you know, like that's the next fun thing is just like think about your own city and its own background and how does it fit and how does, how does it diverge from the norm? Um, and it'd be nice to be able to, if there was more rule support for that. Madison in the realm of hitch. <laughs> Uh, Davey, what thoughts did you have, or interesting points did you have? Well, and I'll be the judge if they're okay. interesting. Uh, I really liked how they, you know, sometimes when they're, you could, you could almost see the checklist happening when you're, when you're going through the cities, like, oh, this is the city that will be down with fire slayers. This is a city that is cool with overlords. Um, but they, I've recognized that they kind of needed to do that and they did a, pretty good job building a story around the things that they wanted to do. And then what I really liked is that I read the story and then I would go look at the back and see how that army was built. And so all these armies, they got a storm keep at the center of them. So one in every four units can be uh, a stormcast unit and it gets all the relevant keywords that it needs to have. Um, similarly, if they're, if they're a particular city that uh, if so uh, Sylvaneth can be one in every four for, um, the living city, they can't ally because I think it would be weird to both ally and have it in there. But also the other people who can't ally are uh, gray water fastness, just straight up are not allowed to bring. Uh, and I really like those little nods to the background. I don't know, you know, you, you can see that and you say, this is, this is something that they didn't do because they were searching for the perfect, you know, competitive balance. This is something they did because it made sense from a story perspective. And that, uh, that's something that I appreciate more and more these days. Yeah, that is neat. That's a good, good thought. Okay, interesting point. I'll give it to you. Um, all right, and you know who else has interesting points? Our listeners. Um, so they had questions that they wanted us to talk about, and we would be remiss if we did not. Um, so we asked in our Discord channel, which can be found at themoralrealms.com slash Discord. And uh, let's jump right into them. Uh, Thundercake wants to wants some narrative hooks he wants to know if anything grabbed us and if we could uh, deliver any narrative hooks for him uh, i feel like paven's the guy to ask here for that uh yeah there are a bunch of narrative hooks i think specifically for like where the mortal realms are going in the future i think there's a lot of things that can be expanded off of like for hobby i think you want to create your own city but it's also there's a lot in here for building a city according to how it is in the real mortal realms. All right, David. Uh, I, I thought there was a cool thing with Anvil Guard. There's the, the caverns below that uh, hallowed knights are, are marching into and other expeditions are going into and not coming back. So there's there's something rotten at the heart of Hallowheart. And uh, Paven talked a little bit about that as well uh, when he was covering the city. But there's something to sort of latch onto if you're if you're looking to create your own uh, campaign or a background or something like that. That'd be that'd be pretty interesting, uh, and it gives you somewhere, you know, make a Zinchian force that is uh, that is coming after uh, after Hallowheart. Um, or if you're you know doing that, you have um, uh, build a force that they're fighting against that has a whole bunch of endless spells or something like that. Like that, there's that that felt like the kind of hook that uh, I thought was was interesting and you could run with a little bit. What I want to figure out is how you could implement a rule or something where you could um, run a living city army um, with 
all or almost all um, wanderers and Sylvaneth, but then also have a, a setup in such a way that like you would be maybe like a re reenvisioning of like some of the old animosity rules where like n- not everyone is exactly on the same page or pulling in the same direction. And there's that old, um, that wound that, you know, folks are sort of picking at um, and that like you're, you're feeling an old, I guess the equivalent of an old wood elf army, but um, there's sort of the internal strife. Um, I don't know how you'd implement a rule there, but I, I think that would be something cool to play around with is, is something that kind of grabbed me. And it's not just because I have a wood elf army um, and I want to use both sides of the, the the models i would never do that but i think there's a, a lot of other nar- narrative hooks i think they're all going to be um, based around the cities based off of what we know about the given c- the cities and then like maybe you extrapolate that you see all right well we've got our cities that are listed in this book and this is what how it translates to um you know army composition all right well let, let me look at some of the other cities that aren't in this book and take what i know about them and come up with my own versions of those you know um one to one army um compilations out there i feel like you can do creative stuff with the cities in in Shyish, in uh gur uh et cetera, et cetera. like there's plenty of other cities out there that haven't even been touched in this battle too. um josh our boy from dogs of warcry fact fractal rain uh wants to know if there's rules for custom cities i don't think there are in this book but then he also wants some of those juicy lore hints which i think we talked about a little a, f- a few before but josh i'll give you another one um that i came up with in that uh there's a quote in this book there are that there are skeletal cities rising within the dark within the dark places of the world um which i think is probably a direct uh reference to the ocr um bone reapers so uh, we know that that battle tome is going to be hot on the, the heels of this one. Um, so that just sort of leads into that next uh, next stage of the uh, the story that we're we're seeing. Um, do you guys have any other juicy lore hints that you want to share with Josh? I didn't feel like there were a, a ton of uh, references that we, we've seen other places. This, uh, this felt like it was more a broadening rather than an advancing sort of uh, sort of book here uh, would be my take. As far as custom cities, I, I think there is room to kind of take a look. Like if if I was going to do, uh, if you're if you want really want to do Excelsis, then uh, maybe Tempestize, kind of where you link in, you make your unit choices maybe with a little less flying options, and those those are 100% still there available for you. And some of the prophecy style command abilities they have kind of tie in well with that. So um, I think with seven cities. Existing, there's there's room enough that you might be able to find something that kind of works for the city you were thinking of, um, and just kind of reskin it, so to speak. Well, my city has all of those special rules, so there. Um, Tomb King Tristan wants us to talk about how the book uh, doesn't have a named character, which I think we kind of alluded to before, um, but and how that affects the narrative that's given in the book. Uh, does this con- contrast to uh, other books that do? You know, I think it is sort of. Well, let me ask you, let you guys answer first. Do you guys have any thoughts on Tristan's question? Whether uh, the fact that there is no real named character in this book, at least on a, like, on a war scroll, scroll level, and whether that or not that affects the narrative. Yeah, I, I want to just echo uh, Davey's point here where we're not really moving the story forward in the book. We're kind of consolidating the gains we've already made and fleshing out the places we already know. Um, so yeah, we didn't get we didn't really learn about any new cities, but we got there certainly got a lot more information about the cities we got, and I think that go that comes through in like um, there aren't really new um, players entering the stage, although like you know existing players are mentioned. 
Uh, Davey, how do you feel about it? Uh, yeah, I uh, I like that the focus ends up being sort of on the on the people here uh, rather than the heroes. Like, I think that's where I think that's the the part that's the the more interesting to me. I guess um, I hear a lot about the heroes elsewhere. So tell me about the tell me about the peoples. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Um, is that the cities of Sigma are very much an every man kind of book. Um, in that, like the generally the idea is these are the sorts of people that you maybe could identify with the most. And if you start throwing away name, throwing around name characters that, you know, becomes you're, you're less able to sort of, I don't know if this is the goal, but like, you know, sort of superimpose yourself on top of, you know, these, these people that have names and deeds and, and accomplishments. Um, maybe this is just my, my self-deprecation showing. Um, but I think given that we're, we're, we're trying to keep it as ground level as possible, like these are as, the foot sloggiest of the foot sloggers. Um, it, it allows us to sort of stay under those named characters. Um, where we stay below that level. Um, which I think is maybe to the book's credit. Um, whereas we, when we talk about other battle tomes, they, they maybe have a larger scope or larger scale or a larger than life, um, list of peoples included. And then that, that comes with, uh, the need for those named characters as well. Um, Koros wants to know if there's anything juicy about spell hunters in here. I feel like we've talked a bit about spell hunters. Um, and is there anything else you guys want to add about spell hunters before I get to the second part of his question? No, I was kind of mentioned uh, a little bit in passing. It wasn't built out quite as, as much as, uh, as somebody who really wanted to know more about it would, would be excited about, but it, it mm-hmm. is, it's mentioned it's there. It's, uh, it hasn't been forgotten. True. So. Um, but then also did it, it being the book, satisfy the commonly expressed need for having a clear idea of how regular people live. Uh, the units in the book are still trained soldiers, but how in depth does it go on the people these soldiers are protecting? Kind of not really, right? Like, right. It, it gives some sense of how the the cities, like what what uh, makes them tick. You know, what industry or trade is is kind of their jam, uh, and so you can you can get a little bit. You know, figure out that there's these different districts and that sort of thing or here's some of the jobs that might exist there, but uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't drill down to here's what everyday life is for that, for, for that sort of thing. You should probably read some of the novels. Yeah. It's definitely more economics, politics, and history more than it is like sociology or like personal stories. Whoa. Cut my answer and uh, just leave his yeah, that's much better. Oh no. I, it, I need them to be next to each other so people can compare uh, and contrast. Um yeah, so unfortunately, this you know there was that joke, um, farmers of whatever battle tone that was going around for a while. Like this isn't that, like for better or worse, I guess. In that you're you're definitely not getting. To, when I say you're at the ground level, you're not at that level. Um, these, these folks still have swords and stuff. Um, so uh, if that's what you're looking for, um, you you might not be satisfied with this 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 book as as that avenue to get that information. Um, Tyromancer Dan C wants to know why do you think they still mention the Eldritch Council if they're not included in the book? I thought the same thing, and that kind of alluded to my devoted to Sigmar question too. Um, but I think as people know, or I mean, folks may not know that they did sunset a lot of units, and in doing so, maybe even some of the factions as well that would have in a previous life been part of this book. Uh, the Eldritch Council being one of them, which is basically all the like high elf mages and stuff. Um, why do you think they mentioned it? Yeah, I think they just wrote that part that mentioned it. 
before they made the final decisions on what miniatures to sunset would be my most would be my my best guess. But I think just because a miniature doesn't exist doesn't mean it doesn't exist in the lore. You know, that's what I was going to say. That's yeah. Good. Like they, they uh, I guarantee we'll keep reading about witch hunters as we as we go along through the, the fiction. Oh, but I don't want to. Why not? Because there's been too many witch hunter books. There's been like 12 witch hunter books. Okay, this, I mean, I'm half joking. Like this, this has got a real serious tone, but there's just, just, just too many witch hunters is all I'm trying to tell you. All right. Um, all right, get get rid of them all. Kill them all. How <laughs> with the old, in with the new. Kill them all. Let Aaron sort them out. And I will. I, I wouldn't be able to stop myself from sorting them out. Um, but yeah, no. To just echo what was just said, I think uh, just because there's not a miniature for it, um, or even if it's not in the book, doesn't mean it doesn't exist uh, in the world. And um, I'm I'm fine with this. I'm fine with them still talking about it. I know some people would maybe get perturbed that like don't bring it up if I can't buy it. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with it. Yeah, and I almost prefer that they bring it up. So it's not like we're pretending that this thing did never existed just because there isn't a product to buy. But like this should be a, like a real and persistent world, and you know we don't need to have a miniature for everything and a rule for everything to like have it exist in the lore. And if you still yeah. have like the old, you still have the old mage um, like high elf mage models, they can easily be used as like eldritch, uh, excuse me, as collegiate arcane uh, folks without, I don't think, too much uh, cognitive dissonance. In fact, I think they should. Um, all right, so that was all our listener questions. Great questions, everybody. Thank you for submitting them. Um, if at any point you, listener, want to ask questions, um, you're going to have to join the Discord. It's at themoralrealms.com slash Discord. And whenever we are about to record an episode, I remember like a couple of hours beforehand and then send a little message saying, hey, ask us questions. And people always do because they're great and very accommodating. Um before we get to the very, very end last section, I let's swing back real quick and see if anybody has any black library um, recommendations that if, if someone wanted to find out more about the cities of Sigmar and the armies therein, um, and they wanted to go dive in deep into um, the offerings of, of black library, what recommendations would we have? What stories ought they read? Um, if they want to scratch, scratch that itch. Um, I've got some thoughts, but I bet you Davey's got some good ones too. Sure. Already mentioned Black Pyramid a few times. Um, I thought for for cities that kind of fall outside of, if you're, if you're looking to really sort of expand into cities that are maybe even more esoteric than some of the ones shown here, uh, Age of Sigmar Legends, uh, Pestilence had the city on the back of the giant worm, which that's pretty fun. Uh, so they, they ended up, fighting their way through that, but you got some sense of how that city was constructed there and some, some of the culture of that. Um, and also soul wars, soul wars, uh, gave something of a look at how a city in the realm of death looks. Um, so that, that would be my recommendations for, uh, if you're looking to branch out a little bit. Uh, sure. Uh, Paven, I'll ask, um, but do you have any Black Library recommendations? Well, actually, I do have one. Now, Black Library isn't really my wheelhouse, but I did read Hammer Hall and other stories, and I enjoyed what was in there, and we they do spend some time in Hammer Hall, and we brought it up in this podcast, and I think it's it's uh, certainly worth a read. Yeah, Josh Reynolds. Um, I will uh, echo what some of the suggestions here. Um, I'll echo Black Pyramid by Josh Reynolds in that um, he spends a lot of time on, like, what it would take to like 
um, secure and start the development of a uh, city of Sigmar, basically. Um, so I think that's a unique perspective that you don't really get anywhere else. And we're spending less time in a fully fledged city and rather in the, the beginning um, you know, uh, seeds of a, a city. So I think because of that, it makes it very interesting. And then Hammerhall, um, that pavement recommended is, is, is great. Um, in that I, I want to spend as much time in Hammerhall as possible. And that's just one example of that. Um, I'll recommend, um, eight lamentations. It's less maybe city based, um, and just more, it's the, the combined workings of different, uh, different folks from different backgrounds, um, working together sort of, not even necessarily under Sigmar is the case maybe, but the um, it, it's sort of a microcosm for uh, the cities of Sigmar as a whole, I think. Um, so the eight Lamentation series, there's a couple stories are all very good. Um, and then Callus and Toll, um, another witch hunter uh, based story, but they spend a lot of time, um, excuse me, uh, in City of Secrets, which is the first in their series, um, in, in Excelsis, which is a uh, primo um, city of Sigmar that you learn a lot about city li city living in the moral realms. It's one of the first ones where they spend time in, in an urban setting. And then finally, I'd recommend, um, surprisingly, Gloom Spite, which we just read a couple months ago for the show. Um, it's not so much about Gloom Spite big gets, but rather um, what a city has to do to sort of weather the storm um, of a Gloom Spite incursion. And it's um, another story that spends a lot of time in a, in a very different city. Um, and it, it just goes to show what in a, another example of what urban lo uh, living looks like uh, yet again in, in the city of Bakshi. So um, also pretty good. Uh, so that's a couple of books. And by a couple, I mean a lot of books that should whet your appetite for more cities of Sigmar. If you uh, want to go check those out and we've re reviewed a lot of them on the show. So um, they're all pretty delightful. Um, all right, let's get to our final thoughts. Um, let's, let's give your final impressions. I'll ask Paven first. Uh, any review, highlights, final thoughts, um, lay it all on the table. All right. Uh, highlights are, uh, I think, always for me, like the Hobbery opportunity presented in this battle tome. I think it's very cool to, it's a very cool set of projects that you can think about when trying to build out your own city using like kind of the miniatures provided. I am most excited to see where they go from here. Uh, maybe they're, they expand something in a white dwarf or... Um, maybe we do get a, a miniature release related to these kind of alliance of mortals. Um, but it's kind of like the first step. It feels more like to me than maybe like a, the, the final one. But otherwise, two, two thumbs up. Do we do that? Uh, we should. <laughs> um, you can you can you can set your own you can set your own scale um, and, and thumbs it is. You've chosen well, Davey. Give me give me some thoughts. I'd like to. I guess uh, I. Because they hung out in Gyron and Akshi for those, I mean, these are these are cities that they've established already. Um, I there was some fun and sort of the duality of that, the symmetry of it. Um, I, I don't know if you appreciated that, but I I would of have, course I did. <laughs> I would have liked to have uh, had the chance to branch out to some some more realms, and maybe maybe we'll see that uh, more down the line. Uh, but it left me interested in more you know you're like oh well what's the perspective when you're in shaman what's the perspective when you're in uh shyish like and that feels like particularly relevant given all the bad stuff that uh old nagash is up to these days so uh i think i was looking for a little bit more there uh, i think they had a really hard job uh because these unlike some of the other factions that have been have been released this is not only, you know, so they, they did a cool job of updating the uh, Flesh Eater Courts, 
they found a way to bring bone splitters forward. They, uh, they've they found a way to kind of advance some of these other factions. These, these are not only a, a faction that needs to be advanced, but it's lots of them that need to be tied together. Uh, and that seems really challenging. And I think they pulled it off uh, uh, about as well as, uh, as anyone could have. So um, I'll, uh, I will give it uh, five out of seven cities of Sigmar. Perfect. I agree with a lot of what you guys were, were saying. Um, I think it, it did feel like a first pass, like at a, a, at a first attempt. Um, and mulling it over, maybe I take back what I said before, and that like I would like to think that they would continue on. Um, but if if they do spend more time with the cities of Sigmar, I, I do hope they move forward. I think this is a good maybe a, a good review of what has come so far and a rehashing of I think some of the information that maybe exists in other places. Um, it's or maybe a, a re, reconfirmation of a lot of that information and a redrawing of I guess a line in the sand of all right. Well, these are the things that now definitively exist in these cities. We've we've called the chaff, um, and and this is this is going to be our core, our base. Um, but I do want to see what they if if they are going to use the base where they where they what direction they build off in and you know to what to what degree. So because of that, it it left me wanting more, but in a sort of a justifiable like reasonable space. Like it, it was supposed to like leave you wanting more um, because I think Paven said earlier it does serve a very good purpose about um, you know putting you at this like level this eye level of the the general everyman um, and I think it, that serves a purpose and it'll always be useful um, regardless of how big the stakes get in the, in the world we're going to want to have stories and not just stories but armies and, and physical uh, um, manifestations of, of the that that small scale um, not super stoked with all the decisions that they made and how, how much focus they put on the dark elves um, is, was crazy. Like I, there was a lot of pages dedicated to just rehashing these, these dark elves in these cities of Sigmar. It was absurd. Um, and so maybe I would have cut down on those a little bit. Like maybe the decisions on what got cut and what um, got left in, maybe I would have uh, varied a little bit, but generally I think they did a just fine. Uh, did a fine job. And then I, I, in the same man, I guess I did like the Scourge Privateers. But at any rate, um, I think it was a, a, a good attempt, and I think it, it probably served a purpose from from their release schedule as well. Like it, I'm sure it did what it needed to do to catch these these um, units up. And so because of that, I think it was a, a, a good product. Um, and if I had to get it a rating system, I can't think of a clever one off the top of my head. Um... Paul's not here. Let's say I'll give it a, a six out of eight spider legs. Six out of eight panicked grunts. <laughs> yep. <laughs> panicked grunts. Uh, six out of eight, uh, as it were. <laughs> All right. And those are our thoughts, and they're really good thoughts. Um, so I, unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about, let's close her out. It's time for our reforging. But Sigmar Willing will be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, or leave a review. Join us on Discord, drop a donation on our Patreon. Anything you can do will spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter, at The Modal Realms. Uh, Davey, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at Red underscore Zeke, and also for the What the Hex podcast, at WTHcast. Uh, and Paven, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me at uh, in the Discord channel, but also on the Dogs of War podcast. Uh, and I'm Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at DosAsos. Uh, and you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com.
I don't know, Aaron, you kind of put me on the spot here. I don't really have a great answer. I thought this is what you liked. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know, ma'am. It's like the ball was thrown right at me. Yeah, right right in the dome. <laughs> good, 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 insightful comments. Uh, 